Episode 11, how are you guys doing? Yay, episode 11! I can't believe we've been gone on so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, huh? <laughs> Pretty good. So, what's the Chisme de la Semana, girls? Let's get right into it. Chisme de la Semana. Okay, so, I have some Chisme. My Chisme is that DC is going to be having a Wonder Woman Day. What? Oh, that's so, right. Some of you might remember that, uh, I don't know when Batman Day started, but every year Batman has a Batman Day. I think it's, I don't know what it's, I want to say. Sometime in May or June. I was going to say, it's some, uh, it's some it's summer or spring uh, month, but um, <laughs> this year in celebration, not only of uh, a Bat, uh, sorry, Batwoman, Wonder Woman <laughs> movie coming out, but also Wonder Woman's 75th anniversary of just being in existence, DC is sponsoring a Wonder Woman Day, and uh, they have um, announced it on uh, Diamond, the uh, our comic distributor, announced that it's coming. It's going to be June 6th, which is a Saturday. So keep your eye out for um, events happening at your LCS. Uh, you, they have um, uh, specials going on with uh, trade paperbacks. Uh, there's going to be some cool like arts and crafty things that they are uh-huh. uh, offering for the LCSs. Uh, and one step further, Heidi Ho Comics in Santa Monica, we, um, we're going to have something June 6th, but also on May 31st, we are going to have a Wonder Woman uh, movie premiere party. Woo! Um, so you're hearing it here first. Uh, we're going to have um, a premiere party. It's a Wednesday, so it, it is a school night. Uh, <laughs> but maybe you guys can uh, can stop uh, by uh, while you're picking up your comic books. Uh, you're going to be there anyway. And um, it's going to be co-sponsored by Geek Chic, which is a um, a, product, a promotion company that uh, does events like Long Beach Comic Con, and uh, uh, I think Long Beach Comic Expo, um, mm-hmm. I think. I can't remember which one it is. I'm sorry for that mix-up. Uh, it's one of those. <laughs> but um, they do a lot of that kind of uh, geeky promotion. They sponsored a uh, New Year's Eve um, Villains Day party. I heard about that. Yeah. Was that cool? Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was uh, at a local bar in Santa Monica for New Year's Eve, and everyone dressed up as their favorite villain. Um, so they're co-sponsoring it, and it's going to be held at Heidi Ho, so uh, everyone can stop by Heidi Ho on May 31st. Um, we'll probably have more details as the date gets closer uh, up on our Facebook page, but that is truly some cheesement because uh, we're, uh, this is the first that uh, we're talking about it here on Comadesi Comics. You heard it here uh, first. You heard it here first because <laughs> even I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, May 31st is the Heidi Ho Comics event to uh, do the uh, 
um, movie premiere. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the June 6th is Wonder Woman Day. Yes. Uh-huh. Excellent. I just wanted to make so sure. So no matter where you are, even if you can't make it to your LCS, I want to see you uh, sporting your Wonder Woman t-shirts and shoes and whatever other kind of Wonder Woman stuff that you have uh, in support of uh, her 75 years in existence. Hey. Excellent, guys. That's so cool. <laughs> so what kind of cheesema do you guys have? My cheesema this semana pertains to the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Excellent. Well, more of, about the director. So it is official that there is going to be a third Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Ooh. And it will be directed by the man himself, James Gunn, once more. Okay. Now, the deets about this are that this is going to be his last uh, helm on this and his last interpretation of mm. the Guardians of the Galaxy. And it will be taking place post-Infinity War. Ah. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, the other details is that this is going to be the last, that that third movie is going to be the last interpretation of the current team that we might have now. So, what this means is that either, one, the team is going to be breaking up into different, they're going to be doing their own thing, mm-hmm. or we're going to get a new movie, or it could be that this is going to be the last movie. But mm. seeing as that they've been so successful, yeah. and um, I'm pretty sure that they're just going to make a different team. Maybe the original team, <laughs> but um, but I'm excited for it. Even though I haven't, the second movie hasn't even dropped yet. <laughs> yeah. When does the second movie drop? May fifth. May fifth. It's so, coming soon. Yep. It, yeah, it's the weekend of Free Comic Book Day. Mm-hmm. So uh, Free Comic Book Day. Also another time that you need to get your little comic loving booties down to your local comic book shop because there's gonna be. Um, at the very least, free comic books. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And that, the cool thing is that Heidi Ho is also doing uh, free comic book day, but they're also doing a uh, Comic-Con um, kind of setup where they're going to have artists, vendors, uh, also publishers, after, uh, publishers yeah. Aftershop yep. Comics, um, um, I believe um, Monster. Monkey Monster cosplayers are going to yeah, be there? Yeah, Han Cholo will be there. Han Cholo um, will yeah, be there. And and unfortunately, Arturitu and uh, Princess, Princess Loka? Loka will not be able to make it, but Aww. Han Cholo will be there. Nice. <laughs> um, also, I don't know if you guys have heard, but um, uh, Comadres y Comics are going to be there. Yeah! <laughs> so you guys, if you guys want to wanna hang out, maybe, I don't know, do a little interview. There's going to be giveaways. We're going to do a raffle. There's going to be a raffle at the store yep. as well. Uh, There's going to be sales. Cosplay and... contest. No way! Yeah, no, cosplay I, contest. Can I enter even though I'm part of <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. We and the first uh, prize is going to be a $100 gift certificate to Heidi Hill Comics. Oh. In addition, Geek Chic, who is also co-sponsoring our free comic book day, Heidi Hill Comic Con, is going to um, provide two tickets to Long Beach uh, Comic Expo. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah, so there'll be uh, both adults and uh, children's cosplay contest. Oh, wow. So there's two. Oh, that's so cool. Unfortunately, only the $100 slash comic tickets will be for the adults, not the kids. The kids Mm. will have some fun stuff, though, too. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of stuff happening in May, guys. A lot of stuff. Lots of stuff. And what about your cheese, Oh, my cheese, Oh, 
Well, let me tell you guys. <laughs> Preacher is on Hulu, and I just binged yes. it. Oh, it yes. was complete. I really am loving it. I love it, love it, love it. I, I really like um, t- uh, Tulip. She really yes. steals it for oh me. God, yes. yeah. She's such a great actress. I'm really loving it. Um, That just... um. I skimmed through the Preacher series. I really didn't. I oh, was just going to ask you. Yeah, I okay. read like a trade like in the middle of the whole series. Oh, okay. So now I went and got it all on Comixology okay. like, mm-hmm. because they had the sale going because the Preacher came uh, out. Uh-huh. So I oh. bought it like, like an obscenely low price. Um, so I'm like, okay, now. And I have to hide the purchase from my husband as well. Because <laughs> like, what do you mean you spent this much on comic books again? <laughs> again. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I'm excited about starting to read it from the beginning, so it's really exciting, and if you guys haven't seen it, I really highly recommend it. It's on Hulu right now, the first season, and I'm not sure if they're going to follow it with the second season, but as of right now, first season totally rocks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually uh, read Preacher way back in the beginning of my comic book reading um, career, and, um, <laughs> before I started working at comic book shops. This was quite some time ago after I was looking for something to read, after I had caught up on Walking Dead to the single issues, and Preacher was something that was recommended to me. And I remember reading the first trade and just being like, what the heck am I reading? But I had to keep going, and I mean, it really... Uh, the characters really endeared themselves to me, and, and by the end, uh, I was crying over some of the, the things that happened to the characters. So, yeah, uh, I I really really enjoy Garth Ennis um, a lot. Yeah. Uh, if you are a Garth Ennis fan and you have not read um, A Train Called Love, which was his um, short series, I don't know how many issues it was. I, I believe it say. was twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Uh, it it uh, came out uh, beginning last year and then went into the beginning of 2017 and ended. But it's it's so fun and I I laughed out loud at uh, almost every single issue and it's not necessarily a comedy but it's funny. <laughs> um, I mean just a, a a short description. It's kind of like a, a group of of mis mismatched friends hanging out and there's assassins and there's drug dealers and there's horse porn. (laughs) I did not see that coming. Hey, look, for a man who wrote a book called uh, Dicks, I I, I believe it. I believe it. Oh, God. Yeah, so uh, definitely check it out. I really, really like it a lot. (laughs) Yeah, and... um, um, I just I just feel like one of the things that I really loved was uh, the scene with God. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they were going to pull it off in the in the um, in the show, but uh-huh. they totally did. So it okay. caught, it's got my attention for sure. I've only watched the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. I got behind um, on AMC, and so now that it's on Hulu, I definitely will be all about being able to binge it. Same yeah, here. I almost finished it. <laughs> As everyone knows, now, <laughs> I have a problem with finishing stuff, but it's back on Hulu, and um, I steal my friend's Hulu all the time, so. I'm probably going to finally finish it. Nice. I did like it. I did like it a lot. Yeah, I did too. A lot of people were definitely, um, who had read the comic, were a little bit apprehensive about it because, I mean, it's it's a really fantastical story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think a lot of people were worried about how that would translate to the small screen. But what I saw, I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Like I said, uh, once I saw that scene, with you know, particularly with God, I was like, oh, my God, they really pulled it off. 
they pulled it off. Well, that makes me interested to, yeah, to I'm just like, go back and watch. And Damian Cooper, he um, he's an extraordinary actor. He's uh, he plays um, uh, Stark's uh, Tony Stark's dad in some of the movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah and yeah, he yeah. also played um, I think the Devil's. Dad, That's where the, I'd seen him. Oh my god! The Devil's Double, the Devil's Twin, the Devil. I don't know, but that was oh, a good movie. Yeah, it was a really <laughs> great movie, guys. Just Google it. That's what Google's for. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really highly recommend it. So, man, if um, if you're on the fence about reading uh, Preacher, maybe check out the show and then be inspired to read the comic book. Yes. For Just sure. do it for Cassidy. Do Cassidy. it for Cassidy. Yes. Cassidy. Oh, Cassidy. Oh, my God. Yes. I, he's my fave. Yeah, mine too. I'm, he's so mm-hmm. hot in the show, too. <laughs> <laughs> the way he talks, I'm just like, keep talking. <laughs> I don't understand a word you're saying, but damn. <laughs> you know, uh, there were actually a couple of actors who didn't get the part, but who came in when they were um, they were searching for Cassidy, who came in and bought some preacher books and um, told me that that was the role that they were really? uh, trying out for. Yeah. So I, re- I remember when they were doing the casting for the show. Oh, wow. A lot of, we get a lot of actors that come in um, looking at source material. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really... I'm never there. Or <laughs> I might be there, but I just don't recognize them. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it's always like, you look familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> well, usually these are people who they're uh, they're just vying for the role, so they haven't actually gotten it yet, so they're not really big and famous yet. I always tell them make sure that uh, when when the show takes off that you give a shout out to Heidi O. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> Definitely, that's so cool. Um, so that's that's that was El Chisme de la Semana, guys. And um, we I'm gonna uh, glaze through this beer because. Uh, we actually got a. Um, it's called Rottenbach, and it's a. Uh, it's brewed in in um, Belgium. It's a. It's aged in oak vats, and it's um, it's an ale matured for two years, and we totally hated it. <laughs> okay, so what is? The <laughs> I just tried it again. Yeah, it's still bad. It's so bad, isn't it's it? It's so bad. It it, it says that it's uh, a mixed fermentation ale. Uh, like you said, it's matured in oak vats, and it uh, it says that that gives it a signature sweet, sour taste and complex bouquet akin to fine wines. Well, well this fine wine is like the wine I used to buy at Big Lots when I was in, high, in college. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> like um, you know what? I never thought we'd get into the point of this show where we would rate something all the same and all low scores. Right? So yeah. We all went for the initial rating. Yeah. Initial. Just a reminder: our beer rating is initial mm-hmm. at the bottom, partial in the middle, full. For uh, pretty, uh, good. pretty good, Decent and beer. then rigid at the very top, and then oh my gosh, I can't control myself. Super Saiyan, yeah, at yes. the top. Mm-hmm. Okay, so initial is the bottom one here. I even making up a a, a new category. Mm, this beer is flaccid. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That makes sense. I'm gonna put it down there. Flaccid. 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 Yeah. There you go. And and you know, not to knock this uh brewery by any means, but I think maybe this was a bad batch or something. Yeah. But uh to me honestly this comes close to uh again this is called uh Rodenbach and this to me tastes like pulque. 
Like warm pulque oh from the God. from the town in Mexico, <laughs> like where you know all yeah. you can go, you could only get to a place in a donkey. Yeah, <laughs> like seriously, like maybe if our palates are not, my palate isn't sophisticated enough to appreciate this. Sophisticated, my ass. <laughs> and and it's definitely, uh, like it said, sweet sour. I am not a fan of sours. There are people out there who. W- champion sours up upward and downward and all over the place and i just don't appreciate them uh again like sarah said maybe my palate is not sophisticated enough but i want a good nice hoppy fizzy feel in my mouth and this just definitely was not it yeah there wasn't enough carbonation so i don't know if that's part of the brew of the of this brew um, but I actually had my brother taste it, who also is like a real big uh, beer beer connoisseur. But he said, no, this, there's something wrong with this, or it's just not our yeah. style at all. Mm-hmm. So we don't know enough for it to actually be able to say that it was a bad batch or if it was just not to our liking. But that all we know is we no likey. Um, <laughs> eventually, we're going to look it up on Beer Advocate, but uh, as of right now, it's not very good. <laughs> it tastes like... Weak old lemonade left out in like not not the fridge but like out on the table and it doesn't have enough sugar in it. Like, <laughs> right? It tastes like a whiskey sour without the benefit of whiskey. It tastes <laughs> it it tastes like uh like I am sucking on a lemon but I don't have the benefit of salt or like anything so it's just like nah. So I would definitely like to hear, though, for some listeners who maybe this is a beer that they like or they have experience with it. And and uh, even if they tell us, you guys are crazy, this is like the best sweet sour beer there is out there, uh, I'd definitely be interested in hearing another take on this. But, um, yeah, for me, I, I give it a sad little flaccid. You know, we do you know it's always sad when it's <laughs> You know, we're giving it a flaccid, but Beer Advocate says it's 90, 98. It's 98. Maybe it's a maybe it was a bad batch. I don't know. I I would be willing to give it another try if I was, you know. You know, I, you know what you need to do? Like the guy who sold it to you, like just be like this. What what was this? What did you give me? How could you betray me like this? Right? <laughs> uh-huh. Just be, just take one of these cups to him and just like, is this what I was supposed to drink? <laughs> Maybe he'll give you a free one. <laughs> Maybe I, I yeah I would only try it if it were free and yeah. you know it, it didn't taste like because it does happen with wines. I've had wines before that have turned. Oh yeah. absolutely and, yeah. And with that, it's a little bit more apparent because it, the vinegar taste comes off right away, and so mm. you know it's not good. But um, yeah, with the with this beer, it just did, something just did not taste right. Exactly, I completely agree. So we're, we're going flaccid all across the board. Yes. Yep. Oh, <laughs> so sad. <laughs> that, so? that was very <laughs> appropriate. <Yeah. laughs> so guys, uh, just to let you know, if you guys haven't seen Iron Fist, which I doubt you haven't, because it's been out for it's a while been out, now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of reviews and critiques on the internet, yes. especially on Facebook. All so those Facebook uh, critiquers have been down Iron Fist's throat since it came, <laughs> even before it came out. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be spoiled, definitely spoiled right now. So oh, we're going to go into a uh, we're going to go into a, a small uh, Iron Fist uh, review because we finished it except mm-hmm. for Jen. <laughs> but I already know how it ends. Because maybe I, I, 
Look, <laughs> I, I live in a household with two younger brothers and a sister. Well, the sister's not into comics as much, but my brother's, yes. So, inevitably, my little brother just binge-watched it, and he loves spoiling stuff, so he spoiled uh. it for me, and I'm just like, well, I'm still going to watch it. And I'm almost finished. <laughs> almost. But uh, I, I, know, I know what happens. I know what's the deal. Uh, but either way, um, to the review... All the critiques are valid. <laughs> that is like okay. I'll, I'll give it this. It was, it was entertaining. In uh, like, well, I have nothing to watch, so let's just watch this. Mm-hmm. It is hands down the worst of the Netflix ones. Like it's Netflix itself. The Netflix Marvel series itself are on another level. That is yes. absolutely amazing. Yes. So it like it's. It's okay to watch, like, it's it's better than a lot of stuff out there, but it's still, like, when you compare it to Daredevil Season 1 and 2, to Jessica Jones, to Luke Cage, it is, yeah. it's watered down and it's so slow. Like, uh, like I, I, I said before, it didn't redeem anything, it didn't redeem itself from anything because it's new, like, it Daredevil did, and it's not as action-packed and as, like, entertaining and visually stunning to watch as yeah. with, with both Daredevils. It didn't do anything revolution revolutionary like it did with Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it wasn't like politically savvy and awesome music and so full of culture. Oh, that and music. And know, culture right? that, oh. that Luke Cage was. Like, yeah. we, like our first episode, we were all raving about Luke yeah. Cage. Oh, that's, that's how so amazing exciting. it was. Yes. And how we connected and we understood. And how we connected with it. I honest, honest. I honestly believe Luke Cage is their best one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Iron Fist, like it was, it was fun to wa- it was fun to watch, and it was interesting the corporate espionage and everything, and how that yeah. happened, and how that works. And yeah, that was, and there was definitely some emotional moments in it. And I did like the whole like PTSD thing, yeah, uh, as well. But it was very, very slow, and it wasn't as action-packed and it was like as it should have been i think yeah because from the title yeah yeah iron Iron fist like i don't care like i don't care if this dude just punches a wall like it just punch a wall (laughs) man like i didn't like like we you see that but not until like the third or fourth episode right yeah and it's just like it's like really like and he just punches like like um a metal door to get out of the mental hospital and but you know what i saw luke cage get shot out and like within the first issue like the first episode Mm -hmm. so you know what and they bounced off his skin like that's like i had had to wait three episodes yeah like come on yeah and then when we saw even like a uh like a real like real use of his like chi and the iron fist Mm -hmm. um was uh when he punched the floor and he kind of made everything um, kind of like an earthquake, mm-hmm. and he, it, it broke windows. It you know broke pictures and everything. But we saw that towards the end of the freaking series. It was like uh, the second to the last episode, mm-hmm. and I'm like, why couldn't? I don't know. For me, like if I know I have a power, I'm gonna be like testing the fuck out of it. Okay? <laughs> I want to know how far I can go. It's gonna be like Professor X and the X Men. We're mm-hmm. gonna go freaking into the danger room, and we're gonna freaking go. Out. <laughs> you know, like I want to know how far I can go. You yeah, know? I want to know how m- how my powers affect this environment that I'm in. Right, it, and apparently after he got the Iron Fist, he actually left... Um, Kunlun. Yeah. yeah. So he didn't even stay yeah. to, like, train or anything. Right. Yeah. Like, and another thing that I didn't like is that um, the Ride of Nine Spiders. Yeah. 
I'm, I want to, they never said it, but I'm going to assume that's who they were yes. trying to go with. Yes. And that, I was, I'm going to be real, that kind of pissed me off because that means that they're not going to go with Matt Fraction's version of, um, um, of Iron Fist, which honestly was the, was not only most of what I've read of Iron Fist, uh-huh. but the most entertaining and interesting parts of it because of the world building and the yes. fantastical aspect to it. I love that. Yeah. I love that mythos and everything. And to make the Bride of Nine Spiders a bad guy, like, I mean, objectively, she wasn't good in the other one, but we didn't know enough about her. Yeah. She was an immortal weapon, and now she's been downgraded to, like, second-rate villain? Like, Come on, like, you could have done better than that. You could have given me all the immortal weapons and the different immortal, like, in the different, um, uh, the different cities besides Kunlan, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. instead you gave me corporate espionage. Yeah, that, that part of the, of the, mo- of the movie, of the TV series, was actually both my favorite and the biggest letdown mm-hmm. uh, of the series because that was, like you're saying, Jen, my favorite part of the Matt Fraction uh, Immortal Iron Fist 12-issue run that I read, mm-hmm. my favorite part was learning all about the other Iron Fists and um, when he had to do the um, ha- go through the challenges um, mm-hmm. of, of all the other Iron Fists that came before him, uh, or I don't, I don't actually remember now what it was, but he had to go through a challenge to become Iron Fist, and right. he had to go through all these... Um, people who had all these powers, and mm-hmm. I actually recognized those yeah. uh, as he was going through, mm-hmm. and it kind of seems to me like it was such a downplay of what that was in the story in mm-hmm. the book, because to me it was kind of like he just went through like this little maze at a carnival, and there was like somebody uh, at, around every corner right. in this mm-hmm. warehouse, but like in the book it was just so like fantastical and it was like this huge like arena thing uh-huh, and that ceremony and cerem- yeah it was very yes it was a huge it was very ceremonious for uh-huh. the iron fist to go through this that right. every iron fist before him had to do the same yeah um so i was super excited because i actually recognized the characters yeah. in the bride of uh, the bride uh of nine, nine spiders, spiders davos yeah it was really interesting to me um but i also thought that it was like such a small little shout out to something that i felt was like super important to the mythos of of iron fist mm-hmm. yeah exactly um and w- what i felt was lacking like we were saying like the action uh, aspect of it um i just felt that it's iron fist we should see more action yeah. scenes mm-hmm. uh, we should see him um, I mean, he trained after his plane crash, which was, what, at 13, 14, like 12, 12, 10, whatever? Yeah. yeah. I think, after, yeah. After that, 11, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then for him to be so, like, not, I don't know, it just didn't, it didn't seem like he was, like, confident in his um, martial arts mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like maybe, maybe he didn't want to show off, I guess, whatever, but at the same time, it's like he had been training in that forever like yeah. that's all he did mm-hmm. he didn't go to school he didn't have playtime he just trained mm-hmm. and for them to not really highlight that in in this storyline in the show it was really disappointing i saw more kung fu and daredevil than i saw come on like what's that, like, that's actually what's one, one of the memes i saw was um 
how come Daredevil can fight better than um, than Iron Fist and Daredevil's blind? <laughs> like, like, seriously, like, but it's true, and and like I I believe you were telling us Jen about um, the guy who did the martial arts training for the Daredevil show. You mm-hmm. were, well, that wasn't me. That was you. No, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, never mind. It was Christian. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have an insider who comes into the shop at Heidi Ho. Uh, he was a writer for Daredevil, actually. And um, he came into the shop, and he was just talking about how the guy who did the martial art fight scenes for both Daredevils, um, they really wanted him for uh, Iron Fist. But um, it, I guess apparently, I mean, it was just a, a lot for him and he was burnt out and he uh, decided that he just could not put himself through going through a whole nother uh, Netflix series of, of just I guess I mean it must the the schedule must be super rigorous yeah mm-hmm. to get it out there and um, and so he passed on it and so they had to find somebody else and so that's why you see um, such a, a difference in quality of the fight scenes because it's just a, it's a different person uh, who choreographed but mm-hmm. this is what made Daredevil totally revolutionary was the fight scenes mm-hmm. those closed mm-hmm. um, closed um, quarter fight scenes especially yeah. down the um, stairwell one yeah, yeah, in the elevator one yes. I remember when like people were absolutely raving about yes, that and how just the brutality yes, of fighting uh-huh. and how like it was see so technical oh and so yeah. amazing it was absolutely it amazing. was art it was yeah. art. it was brilliant and then we get mm-hmm. you know iron fist who has been training forever uh, mm-hmm. not like daredevil but this guy has been training forever since a kid and you know it's really watered down like super watered down mm-hmm. and um i don't want to defend it but i mean it is it is a fact that they, he was saying the actor was saying that they only had two weeks mm-hmm. uh, to train on some of the mm-hmm. Um, fighting sequences, and then they filmed. Yeah, I read some of that. I read an um, I read an interview uh, from the actor who plays Danny Rand, who said that some of some of the scenes he was literally just being uh, blocked through the scene that day, and that a lot of it he was kind of just like it was like by the seat of his pants he was just kind of like making it up <laughs> if that's the case he did a great job but, <laughs> but um you know i think they should have tried a little harder um maybe the production maybe the scheduling was off um maybe they should have waited for the daredevil choreographer uh fight scene guy to be available mm-hmm. um well to push i mean the defenders i was just gonna yeah. say there's definitely a timeline and i feel like that's that's one of the biggest critiques that i've heard is that it feels like um this iron fist was rushed because of the fact that they needed a Danny, they needed everyone to be introduced to the last member of the Defenders. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is what everyone is really looking forward to coming out. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's definitely no way that they could have waited because they they needed this to be made. Mm -hmm. Um, The, one of the things I I get out of a positive note out of this is like we see more of Madame Gao. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really, really badass. Yeah. Which I yeah. really, I've yeah. liked her since Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that she was just a bigger fish out there that we didn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. really developed Madame Gao as a character in the Iron Fist series. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, what else am I trying to search for? I mean, <laughs> there were some positive things. Um, I did like Colleen. I like Colleen. Oh, she's yeah. great. She was her scenes were amazing. Her foreplay. I had that clear revelation. I was just like, yeah. Her sword <laughs> fight, <laughs> those, those, um, sword fights. Um, her fighting scenes was her fighting. Yeah, those fighting scenes in the in the ring. Oh mm-hmm. my god. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Those yes. were fucking brutal. And I'm like, damn. Because when I saw her fight, because she started. Mm-hmm off the fight scenes in the series mm-hmm. uh-huh. and I was like this is what it's going to be like I'm in <laughs> it yeah. you know? I'm in it and yeah. then flat and then no. Yeah, no. I really enjoyed that part of her character development of mm-hmm. her like just the struggles that she was having and having and going doing those cage fights that was really mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite parts of uh, her development and just the story development overall mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. I really loved her as a character, uh, her being light, too, as far as what the foot was really about, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I just, um, I felt that was a good story that mm-hmm. they told, um, that I was, I really liked that. Um, I really liked the drunken master guy, but I think he also trained for uh, Danny Rand, but they didn't pick him. I think. They oh, said, yeah, 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 yeah. I think they had said that he was too Asian for the part. I think so. Is he the drunken guy that's in yes. front of the door? And did you just say foot instead of hand? Did I do that? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was going to like, wait, did she mean the hand? I was like, is she confusing TMNT? Yeah, yeah I'm totally confusing TMNT and Ninja Turtles. And I did that all while watching the series. I'm like, the foot. The foot. It's the hand. Well, TMNT is supposed to be a spoof off of the Daredevil. Because Daredevil has stick and... The Ninja Turtles have splinters. splinters. Yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> and then, yeah, Daredevil has hand, and the Ninja, Ninja Turtles, Turtles have the foot. <laughs> and there's a lot of other uh, parallels, too, that some, somebody had pointed out to me before, but those are kind of the biggest ones. Yeah. yeah. Every time I, you know, I could <laughs> never... I can never wrap my head around hand because I grew up watching the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's foot. <laughs> <laughs> it's the foot. <laughs> it's an extremity, guys. It's an extremity. <laughs> but um, that that was disappointing. And in season three, we get introduced to the penis. <laughs> <laughs> interesting we were saying that we like the um um the father what was his name harold 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 was mean yeah he oh, was I liked mean. him <laughs> yeah he was mean he was a dick but man he was kind of hardcore yeah like yes. this dude like straight up like killed like people he was just like man i, I, I want to live like mm-hmm. like like straight up like harold was a savage yeah. he was a straight up savage yeah and you know one of the things that he couldn't even get out of his apartment or his, well i'm sorry mm-hmm. his penthouse yeah uh-huh. um but still he like just was like i'm not going to die like uh-huh. for me if i was pinned up in my you know in in one room or one house for 10 years i'd be like just kill me, <laughs> <laughs> just kill me guys I, i'm i'm done 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I could, <laughs> I could adjust. <laughs> Just keep my Netflix and Hulu up to date, and I'm good. Like, <laughs> like, like everything about it, like that one thing when he's talking to his assistant and stuff, he's like, you know what my father used to do? He's like, he used to like whip me with his belt until I didn't apologize anymore. Yeah. And then and that then, was so cool. That yeah. was like, like oh yeah, that's God. child abuse and like that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and it's horrible, but like the way he said, he's, and then he like rolls up his belt and he's just like, man, I miss him every day. Oh, my God. I know. Actually, him talking, that, especially that, that moment where he was talking in that scene, mm-hmm. I was like, I do apologize too much. Yeah, because <laughs> he did have a point. Like, I was just like, God damn, I do that. Like, <laughs> like he, he, was, he, was, he was correct about that, and I was just like, God damn. Um, <laughs> like, he's, he was just straight up hardcore, and like... I understand why um, Ward is messed up and everything because of his father and how the treatment itself is, like, absolutely horrible, but he was a coward. I didn't like him. I didn't like him. I liked Ward for that reason. He was so damaged. I love it. I loved it. I loved it. Loved him breaking out in a sweat. I loved his shuffled hair. I loved it when he was, like, trying to compose himself in his, like, nice suit and tie, and then all of a sudden it was just too much. I just love that. I love that. I feel like out of all the characters, he definitely had a trajectory of redemption for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. He was, uh, yeah, 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 definitely. And Joy, of course, we all know that she's gonna, she's probably gonna come back of some kind of, uh, some villain of some sort. Which I feel like that wasn't really explored because she was so, like, out of the whole real story. Yeah. The, and then all of a sudden you see her with that other dude and she's like, well, yeah, um, what was his name? Davos. 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 Yeah, she was like, tell me more about this, Danny his training like they're mm-hmm. like yeah he's you know and that's one of the things i hate like when they just kind of like play it off like yeah yeah it's all his fault mm-hmm. yeah you know like no, that's so easy don't go there like i don't know make it more complicated more and just like i'm jealous of you <laughs> you know like what well not even that because doubles they did make the thing more interesting in the in the comic book. Yeah. Davos is actually Danny's um, uh, father's rival. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. okay. And, okay. And, and he was, like they had been best friends, and then um, Davos felt resentment towards Danny's dad, Wendell, um, because he was the foreigner, and somehow he beat him mm-hmm. to become the person who would face um, uh, yes. the, um, uh, the dragon. I forget the dragon's name. No, I don't remember. Yeah. Um. um but he was yeah. the one that was chosen over Davos. Yeah, well, not chosen. He he won. He won their like tournament fight. The right, the right to the face right the, to face yeah. the right to face the dragon. Yeah, and he lost. And like um, uh, so in the comic books again, the relationship is a little bit more complex. But in Matt Fraction's run, Davos is so interesting, and he's like, and it's like it's a, yeah. about more his relationship with his father, the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Do they say that in the in the TV show? I don't uh, believe so. Well, comic book spoiler: uh, Davos, <laughs> Davos' dad is um, uh, the Thunder, um, the guy who trained Danny. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. So it's just like it was. I, the comic book was more interesting than the than the TV series. But the funny thing is that I think. They made Colleen more interesting in the TV series. Yes, for than sure. In the comic. Yes, yeah. oh, I agree. Really? Yeah. Yeah. She had a very small p- 
part very small in in the book because I just remember there was a a section that uh, maybe it was like one or two issues and there was just this woman who was fighting with um, Danny and with. Misty Knight, oh, yeah. and they never said who she was, and then all of a sudden they came out with, uh, with Colleen. I'm like, wait, who's this? And so I, mm-hmm. and they didn't really put much attention to her, and she didn't really um, show up again very much in the rest mm-hmm. of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to do some research to figure out who she was, and um, and then so when the TV show came out, I I definitely uh, was aware of who she was, but. Um, Definitely didn't have as much of a badass uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, picture of who she was from mm-hmm. the book uh, mm-hmm. like I did. And I have to say, I am 150,000% on board with a um, Daughters of the Dragon uh, TV show. Mm, that would yes. be super cool. Oh, my God. Please. <laughs> <laughs> they should have done that instead of, yeah. I, I would like to address one of the things that I've getting, I'm getting a lot of um, interesting uh, responses on is uh, Claire being uh, the one singular character that ties all these characters. Oh. Together. Uh-huh. She's uh-huh. the night nurse. I don't care what Doctor Strange has to say. <laughs> I mean, although in the comic books there's like three, four night nurses. Yes, there's a whole bunch. There's a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. But like officially speaking, Claire is Claire is my night nurse. <laughs> yeah, a lot of um, I got a lot of response where a lot of them are just kind of tired of her being like putting her nose where it's not wanted, and I'm like, how can you say that? She's actually. But how is it not wanted? She's mm-hmm. needed. Yeah. That, that's what I said. I'm like, uh, maybe it's not to tie the series is to get the series together. You're going like far above the actual meaning of her character. She's mm-hmm. a nurse, and people need mm-hmm. her healing powers. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's a healer. Because these mm-hmm. are all while these are all quote unquote superheroes. They are not. Um, they're not invulnerable. Yeah, I in mean, the, in the same way. Well, I mean, Cage, Luke Cage is. Yeah, but there was. Um, but in in uh, in Jessica Jones, she, they still needed her yeah. to for for stuff like that. And it's just um, Claire is what's gonna bring the defenders together. I'm very positive about this that she's mm-hmm. that she's the one. And honestly, like I have seen. Like, why are we getting these complaints about her and not about Coulson? Uh, oh about my God! Yes. Like, right? why? Why? Why is, why is that? Coulson uh, still alive? Like, yeah. didn't he die <laughs> in the movie? Yeah. Like, why is like why are we getting so? Why is everybody complaining about Rosario Dawson, the night nurse, who they objectively has more to put in than what all the I don't know how many minutes he was in all the movies before they came out with Avengers in. For Agent Coulson, like mm-hmm. yeah, I, like I like I like the dude too. I like Clark Gregg. Um, he's a and, good character. Yeah, yeah and he's a he's a cool, interesting. But on objectively speaking, Claire is the more interesting and the more useful character. So they need to <laughs> shut them out. I like that. I like that. I knew you. I knew you girls were on it. I knew you guys. I knew you guys had something to say. <laughs> um, any other kind of interesting kind of observations on the Iron Fist? Ex- besides the lack of cool fighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and you very quickly mentioned the guy who you said tried out for... Um, yeah, the drunken... Yeah, yeah, the drunken guy. Oh, my gosh. So that was like... I was 
just kind of like watching out of having to complete it. And yeah. I, but when that scene came <laughs> up, yeah. I was like enthralled. He was amazing. Yes. His acting was amazing. His fighting was amazing. And when I mm-hmm. found out that he actually had tried out for the role of Danny Rand, I was super sad and salty <laughs> about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, absolutely. And think that they could have probably done something with a storyline with a person who is was half Asian. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like why like they they really could have, but they didn't. They didn't want to go there. They didn't want to take that risk. And this guy could have done his own stunts. Exactly. Yeah, Thank just you. Like you would have cut off like yes. like a bunch of training hours yeah. about you know like I don't know. I mean, this guy comes from absolutely no uh, martial arts uh, background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean. Come on, the authenticity Even little of X-23 had martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. That is so true. Um, as a and she's fact, a Spaniard. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you were telling us that um, she actually, the tape she sent in to um, uh, try out for the part was yeah. her just doing martial arts. Uh-huh. You know? Uh-huh. Um, come on. I yeah. mean, you know, like, I hate to say this, but we're just so nitpicky as fans of comic books that you're going to have to do better than this. Mm-hmm. Seriously, you really do. Um, not to knock um, the uh, Mr. Finn for his acting abilities, not to knock the whole storyline and the writers, but um, you guys could have done better on the fighting scene yeah. mm-hmm. and the authenticity of the story. Yeah. Um, and I understand that you wanted to just get it done for the defenders and you know bring that mm-hmm. team together, um, but we're, we're disappointed. I, I'm disappointed. Yeah. Same. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like I was, like Jen said, I was entertained, uh, but um, my bar for entertainment is super low. Um, I Uh really (laughs) like the. uh, I really, really liked Howard the Duck the movie. (laughs) I love Howard the Duck too. That was Leah Thompson. She was awesome. Okay, I loved it. (laughs) Uh, You know what? Uh, Total side. We're getting derailed, but in uh, the most recent Chip Zdarsky Howard the Duck. Uh, comic book run um, Leah Thompson's character not Leah Thompson's character Leah Thompson the person um, does a little uh, guest star appearance in the comic as Leah Thompson no yeah. <laughs> that's super cool that's oh uh, it's stuff like that that really makes us happy those little bits that you that you share with us I love that <laughs> It's not that hard. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that hard to give us something, guys. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who are going to buy the tickets to go see the movie. We're the ones who buy the comic books. We're the ones who, like, buy the merch. You know, we're, we're the ones who talk about it on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we're the ones who are going to tell our children if we decide to have them. Uh, <laughs> or uh, our, co- our, our nephews. Yeah, our, our nephews, <laughs> our little cousins, our, our baby sisters. And yeah. yeah. About all Neighborhood kids. Neighborhood kids. <laughs> like... Like, Sergio, like, we're raising, like, you can't live without us. Okay, honestly, seriously, when it comes to men and women, um, marketers and it's just, as far as social science goes, women, when you market to women, you're not just marketing to that generation, you're marketing to the generation and 
that comes after them as mothers, as as uh, aunts, oh, as grandparents. grandparents. Yeah. Yes, and that that spans sometimes over two, three, four generations. Absolutely. You know how many grandmothers I get in Heidi Ho itself during the weekend asking yeah. me for stuff? Yeah. Like, hey, can, can you tell me this? And I give them a giant pile, and they buy it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because they're gonna <laughs> give they're gonna give it to their sons. They're gonna yeah. give it to their grandsons, granddaughters. Yeah. Like they're just they drop money yeah oh, absolutely <laughs> absolutely but yeah we are um we're the we're the caretakers we're the the upbringers we are the ones who a lot of times hand down um you know uh, family traditions and stuff like that mm-hmm. so um Totally another reason, if you didn't need one, uh, to really make sure to give attention to women and female fans. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Don't forget us because we're, we're, we're where it's at. <laughs> Remember, George Perez started it. Was, no, the Hernandez Brothers. Hernandez started, Brothers, yeah, yeah. the Hernandez Brothers started their comic book industry because. Their mother. Their they, mother. Yeah, used to read comic books to them in bed that night. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> she just dropped the mic, guys, but she won't really actually drop it mm-hmm. because it might break. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys. We are actually fortunately we have a second um, we have a second beer to review today. Fortunately, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that other one we didn't even finish it, guys. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are drinking do the Dudes Brewing Company's Double Trunk. Double Trunk is an American Double Imperial IPA. It's nine point forty percent. Yes. <laughs> you know what? That explains a lot about how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this one you guys can get anywhere. I think in the United States, it comes in a four-pack uh, canned version, or you can get it on tap at the um, brewery slash tap room, which is at eighteen forty West two o. 8th Street, Torrance, California, 90501. Sorry, guys, I drank to my civil trunk. And, <laughs> and a, a nice little aside, this place is um, exactly one mile from where I live. I've walked there before to uh, the Dudes Brewery, and um, they have cool things that go on during the week. They have... Um, live music, they have uh, Geeks Who Drink, com- uh, Trivia Nights, they have lots of cool stuff. Um, so I'm very fortunate to live very close to it, and I highly recommend Dudes. Um, I'd also like to point out that right now there's a Groupon for a uh, tasty, uh, tasting those, uh, what are they called? Um, tasters. Flights. Flights, uh-huh. yes. Um, you could get for one person, for two people, for four people, and it's really economical, and it serves to you in a flight little... Um, a thing like uh, a paddle, like a paddle mm-hmm. shaped as a um, what is it, the bowling the pin bowling pin. Oh, uh huh. Uh, yeah, because this brewery the theme is the Big Lebowski's movie, oh. the dude. Oh, I <laughs> never made that connection. Really? Oh my god! First of all, I've never seen that movie, what? but I know all about the dude. <laughs> no way! You, ha- I can't believe. <laughs> what? Yeah. Sorry. It's it's on Netflix. Is it? I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, you have to see it. Um, it's kind of a weird, it's, um, it, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's awesome. I love it. I had no idea that that's what that was from. Yeah, see all those stickers that uh, were like the dude abides or the dude says, and there's a lot of stickers like in the restroom of the quotes of the Big Lebowski. You just 
take a look. No, it's, uh, I've never noticed. At first, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't believe it until I went into the restroom and there's all these quotes from the Big Lebowski, and I'm like, what? And then I got the flight, and it's shaped like a like a bowling pin. Oh. And I was like, for sure, this is whole. Yeah. I've seen the paddle, but and again, because I didn't see the movie, I never knew that that's what it was from. And I there's a couple of beers that have the bowling pin on it too that I've seen. Oh wow, see? yeah. And I learned something new today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's really cool because um, actually it's this brewery, this taproom, for instance, um, is really laid back. Like you got stuff where you got a uh, smog city where they're all hipsters. And then you have a uh, um, phantom carriage, which is all dark uh, and goth. And then the dudes, the dudes is like you're just relaxing, having a beer, and it's yeah. so, you know, it's just so laid back. I love yeah. it. And I've like, actually still never been to Smog City or Phantom Carriage, but that is definitely the uh, the feel that I get at Dude. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So laid back and stuff. Like, you could be there in your, like, pajamas. <laughs> just, you know, it's cool. And everybody's super nice. So yeah. if you get a chance, if you're in Southern California, definitely check out Dude's. Um, and Double Trunk is, like, it's, like, Everybody knows Double Trunk. Yeah. Uh, I I definitely am an IPA drinker, and you give me a double IPA any day. I'm all about it, but um, Double Trunk is really um, one of my favorites. Yeah, that's actually, as far as right now, it's my favorite from the dudes. Um, I have tried other stuff, but this one's Mm -hmm. definitely my favorite. On a hot summer night... Hot, 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 hot. <laughs> Summer night after the mile walk from my house. <laughs> a coastal eddy from dudes is like so refreshing. It's their um their pilsner, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um and it's 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 a light beer but full of flavor. You know, and that's actually uh I think that was the first brewery I actually went to was dudes. Mm. Uh, the first um craft beer I had was uh, the nothing from Smog City, but that was Somebody bought that and brought it over, but I actually went to Dudes for the first time was as at a at a tap room slash you know brewery, yeah. so that was pretty cool. And I actually went there today because I wanted to go there and get um, um, the new one. It was a berry thing, but they're closed on Monday. Uh, oh on yeah, Monday. most <laughs> I know all about breweries being closed on Monday because that's my day off during the <laughs> oh, week. No. And I live not only a mile from dudes, but I live within a mile radius of at least uh, six different breweries. Yes. And they are all closed on Mondays. Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> Why told, Mondays? Uh, I don't know. Maybe because everybody was drinking on Saturday Yeah, and Sunday because they're and open on the weekend, so I guess they just need a day off uh, <laughs> to recoup. <laughs> Yeah, but um, that was a surprise to me. But fortunately, I stopped into another, uh, um, along the way, I stopped into um, a liquor store, and they had uh, the four-pack of the Double Trunk. So oh, I was okay. like, yes, yeah. success. That's a really cool thing about living in uh, Southern California because a lot of the local breweries have um, have uh, their beers in local liquor stores and in mm-hmm. supermarkets. Absolutely. That was my next stop. It's like, if I can't find anything here, I'm going to the supermarket. Yeah. Where yeah. else is the place to buy? <laughs> even Target now has yeah, a even Target. pretty decent. Really? Yep. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they have a pretty decent uh, selection of, of local brews. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even the one in Compton. I'm a, I'm a Jersey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So what do you guys uh, rate this brew? 
Um, I like I said, Double Trunk is one of my favorite double IPAs. Um, I definitely would give it a full. It's not a rigid for me again because it's not a Belgian, um, but it's very flavorful. You get that punch in the face hoppy taste right off the bat. Um, and for me, it kind of wanes after a while, so it's not, like, overpowering. Um, and that 9 point, uh, whatever you said it was. 9.40. Yeah, that yeah. 9.4 ABV uh, definitely, uh, <laughs> for me, um, makes it uh, a, a good beer to drink. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think for me, it's also a full, not a rigid yet, but it's definitely, it has a place in my heart only because it gets the job done for me. Like, right. Let's, <laughs> say, let's say I, you know, I had a hard day at work and whatever. I can get a four pack of this and have one beer and I'm like mm-hmm. so good. I'll watch a movie. Yes. One beer ba- is all it takes. Binge on mm-hmm. something, you know, and, and we're good to go. Like, yep. it, it like, it really, it's a, it's a great buy for the punch and the flavorful taste. Yes. It's really hoppy. There's a nice kind of malty finish, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there's kind of a citrusy flavor in the back. I really love it. Um, I don't know what that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go full on this. Hold up. Let me just take a sip right now. No, that's, that's why I poured a little bit because I'm like, I, I gotta, I, it's got to be fresh in my mind. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I used to like not really like IPAs, um, but drinking with you guys, I've really learned to appreciate them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I like this one. I really like that citrusy aftertaste that mm-hmm. you mentioned. I was just yeah. like, what is that? What is yeah. it? Like, um, it's good. I I I like it. I think this is the first time I've had a double IPA. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I think so. And um, um, it's not bad. I I, I like it. And it's um. um what was that other beer that we had that um, can also came in a can, but I did not like because I kept making. Ooh, um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was the resin that was the uh, from uh, Six Point from yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah, and, and yeah, that one's harsher. It's very bitter, kind of like really mm-hmm. hoppy, bitter kind of. Um, yeah. yeah, that yeah, and looked like a Red Bull. Yeah, like it looked, like, it looked like, like an orange and uh, <laughs> metallic Red Bull. <laughs> and you see that one, that kind of hop, that really strong hoppy bitter aftertaste. I don't like that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. this one, I did. I like the flavor of it. Mm-hmm. I like it, and it, it was pretty good, and it wasn't bitter. I like the citrus of it. So I'm gonna go with a full. Nice. Uh, yeah. Full across the board, guys. Yay. Also, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think drinking the previous one really, like, kind of like, oh, man. Yeah, really. you could have fed me anything after that. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right? It totally showed up in another dimension there. Um, so, you guys are aware that um, the trailer for The Last Jedi came out just yes. recently. Yes. So all wh- over my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I had an image of all over your face. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so we're going to watch it.
<laughs> what does it mean? What does it mean? I'm just like, I have so many questions. What does oh it mean? God. It's time for the Jedi to end. I don't understand I, why Luke is saying that. I think he means the Jedi Order and how they used to do things. The whole, like, no attachments, no mm-hmm. emotions and all that stuff. I think that's what he means. I think, like, they can, the Jedi can't survive this new era. There needs to be something like the Jedi, but... Is it Jedi? Mm-hmm. Basically, there needs to be a new I mean, I mean, thing I, for more sensitive people. Yeah, no, and I get that because, mm-hmm. I mean, if we all remember, um, the Jedi cannot um, have relationships, personal relationships, mm-hmm. or marry or have children. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, when, um, when Anakin did that with uh, Padme, mm-hmm. it was like they were trying to hide that she was pregnant and who she was pregnant by. Mm-hmm. Um um, and for him to have had that, um, that was like a big no-no. Mm-hmm. So I get that, that that's not a way that they can continue existing mm-hmm. um, because uh, maybe the Force works better if they share their lives with people they love mm-hmm. and not be like holier-than-thou, like monk status, mm-hmm. I guess. But still, I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, same here. And I just, I want them all answered, and I can't wait for this movie. It looks so good. All I have to say, they really they really have to bring their game, because after Rogue One, man, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rogue yeah. One was the shit. Yeah. yeah. I definitely enjoyed Rogue One. Not that I enjoyed it more, but I seriously had more feeling. Yeah, I Rogue One yeah. more than Force Awakens. For the Force sure. Awakens was good. I liked yeah. it. it was, yeah, it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. It was, it was entertaining, but man, I cried. Yeah. Like, I legit cried yeah. at Rogue One. Oh, my yeah. God. Yes. Like, I had the, I had those puddles of of tears underneath. <laughs> like that's how I know a movie's good is when it's piling up on the like wiping down here instead of up here because mm-hmm. it's yeah. So I'm really excited. It's in Christmas. It comes out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um yeah man. Especially when you get tired of hanging out with your family, just go to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh guess what? You're having a good time. Let's go do something together. A group mm-hmm. activity. Let's go to the movies. So it's yeah. gonna be good. I yeah. can't wait. Bring the Star Wars experience to everybody. Maybe by then I will have caught up. Uh, I I really, on my list of things to do, I would like to rewatch um, the original um, three. And then I've never seen the prequels. Uh, I know everyone says that I'm good and it doesn't matter, but I feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> At least if I myself can be like, oh, yeah, that was really bad and, <laughs> and know it from my heart, but I don't. So, um, or just be a naysay and say, no, the prequels were good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know what? I, I'm all for, you know, and I've said it once. I've said it probably a million times, but I'll say it one more time. Disney, please remake the first three episodes. I can't wait to <laughs> you put your hands in there and you mold it to something amazing. Yeah, because, like, there were some good ideas. There were some good concepts in there. But they failed in execution, plot, and, you know. And I think it was so. during the first, um, you know, it was, I think it was during one of the, one of the first times movies were, like, going to be completely um, green screened. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're mm-hmm. acting. And I think a lot of the actors were not... Used to yeah. screen acting. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So now that it's so common, common mm-hmm. everybody knows screen screen. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, because we had, um, what, what was his name? Um, gosh, uh, he's in Taken. 
I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to... No, wait. How did the... Uh, Liam uh, Neeson? Liam Neeson. Yeah. Um, he was in it, and his acting kind of sucked in, in this, but I'm thinking uh-huh. it's the green screen. And then we have um, um, Padme, which was uh, Natalie Portman, and uh-huh. she... Uh, was in the professional. I mean, she had a lot of acting, yeah, amazing yeah. acting uh, chops. And then for her to fail so badly with the green mm-hmm. screen, I, I feel that it it had to do with um, being only green screen, and then people didn't know how to yeah. handle that. That at makes that time. sense. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I'm, you know, living with this. <laughs> that's how, every time that's what you tell yourself. That's <laughs> what I tell every time I, I think cry of myself to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> every time I think of the prequels, I just think of. Uh, who was Anakin's actor? Uh, Kristen something. Kristen. That dude, anyways. I just remember <laughs> him saying, I don't like sand. And I'm just all like, <laughs> I crack up every fucking time. When did he say when he was When him and Padme were on that boo on like a beach or something, it was in the second movie because he had the weird like braid thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, on. yeah. That's right. And he, and he was just like, he was just like, I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough. And I'm just all like, Oh my god, I don't even remember. I must have just glazed through that. <laughs> but isn't he from Tatooine? <laughs> yeah, he's a, yeah, that's why. It's Hayden Christensen. Hayden, okay, Christensen. Hayden Christensen. I knew it was a Chris somewhere <laughs> in there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why, that's why he doesn't like Tatooine, supposedly. And I was just like, and that's why he likes Naboo, because there's not a lot of sand. And I was just like, shut the hell up, It was the single most comedic moment in the movie and it was not supposed to be comedic but I just <laughs> I crack up every time it, every time it sounds funnier than the Jar Jar Binks stuff oh definitely <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah. let's let's not even speak on that <laughs> <laughs> so um yes what do you guys give the, the 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 trailer so far I'm just excited I can't wait it's it looks really good. I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but I've enjoyed these last two movies that have come out, which has really been the uh, the reason why I want to go back and rewatch the first three and then also watch the prequels. Uh, so I'm really excited um, from a non-Star Wars fan. So I can only imagine how those true crazy fans <laughs> feel after seeing. In fact, they don't have to imagine. Like I said, it was all over the Facebook. <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's here. Yeah. It's here, yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited. It looks good. It looks good from the from the trailer. Um, I think it looks really good, mostly because whereas the first trailer played a lot on nostalgia, this one mm-hmm. seems more original. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, like, doing, like, monologuing and everything, but it looks good. And I've read some um, uh, online articles saying, like, oh, look how it reflects the first trailer. But um, and thematically, I think they're very different. Um, uh, it seems to be taking a darker note. Um, and also, it... It, there's more, I think, originality to it. Oh yeah, as well. absolutely. So I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Plus, so, yeah. I, plus, I like Ben as the bad guy, Kylo Ren. I can't wait. Um, he's <laughs> just, I just like him. He's just so unhinged. I love that. <laughs> Why do I like unhinged, crazy people? I don't know. But <laughs> but I Who can't knows? wait. Um, and actu- actually, on a on a little side note. Um, I watch Girls, um, mm-hmm. the the series on mm-hmm. HBO. Mm-hmm. It actually just finished uh, the series forever. Oh. Um, and uh, Ben, who is Kylo Ren in the Star Wars movies, he mm-hmm. plays um, an ex love interest of the main character in Girls. 
and she said that while they were filming uh, the uh, second to the last episode, uh, a lot of kids were walking because it's filmed in New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of kids were running up to him with lightsabers <laughs> and asking for his autograph, and she's like, "It was so surreal." Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, he's just this other character that you know, like, ha- kind of has taken everybody by storm. Right. So I'm like, oh, that's so cool. It's such a nice little... What? You're in a Star Wars movie. Yeah. That's it. That's like, it. You're set for life. You're <laughs> set for life. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to be known. Same with an MCU movie. Yeah. Same <laughs> with a Marvel movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Here. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just... Um, uh, I know I'm going to cry when I see Carrie Fisher because I, yeah, almost, I, I, I definitely... When I first saw the trailer, I almost cried when I saw just the back of her head. And I was just like, Carrie Fisher. I know. <laughs> I know. I felt the same way. I'm like, I, I, I always do this when I get excited. I'm like, <gasps> like, I always do that. And my husband's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, he'll, like, do the side eye, you know, mm-hmm. like, what the hell? Don't embarrass me. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I understand. I understand how you feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Anyways, once those tickets are available for pre-order, guess what I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. I, always, I always buy four tickets because I always take my siblings with me. Um, uh, and sometimes my brother, um, uh, he doesn't go, and then I complain about him and how, how am I going to get to the movie theater now because he's the one that drives. <laughs> but um, um, I, always, I, always, I always purchase four tickets. And so, if there's an extra one, uh, you guys are. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Um, What was I going to say about that? Oh, this is a movie that you could possibly really enjoy on the 3XD um, theater in um, downtown LA. Oh, the one that has motion? Yes. I think this would be really good because there's a lot of, like, like, space travel and space fighting. So, it's going to be cool. I wish I could enjoy 3D, but I can't because of oh, yeah. glasses. glasses. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. like the whole glasses on top of glasses thing. No. And the uh, like, all of my siblings for one wears them, so we all hate 3D. And when he uh. says like, "Let's watch it 3D," we're like. No. <laughs> my husband doesn't like 3D either, uh, for whatever reason. So we usually try to do the non-3D, but um, I enjoy it. In the beginning, it kind of gives me a headache, but I get used to it. Right, mm-hmm. right. It just gets that, yeah, definitely that little hump. Yeah. I should just get context, but... <laughs> you gotta do it for the movies. Why are you getting context? Do it for Star Wars. Do it for Star Wars. I'm doing it for Star Wars. Nice. So, guys, what did we read this time? This... The book that we are reviewing today, My Little Padawan, is, <laughs> uh, is Batwoman, the New 52 first story arc of Batwoman, Volume 1, uh, called Hydrology. The story arc was called Hydrology. It's written by J.H. Williams III and W. Hayden Blackman. Um, and interestingly... Um, uh, Williams was uh, actually also the artist. He's a writer and an artist. And uh, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, most of the, I think more than half of the people we've been reviewing the books are uh, artists and writers. Yeah, there's which is quite amazing. a few. Yeah. I always love that when people are like multi-talented like that. I think it's so amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
like, share it with us. <laughs> uh, and so, um, and then uh, it looks like there were some guest artists, um, and the colorist is Dave Stewart, uh, letterer Todd Klein, um, but uh, the J.H. Williams III also did a lot of uh, the cover art, and oh my gosh, the cover art that they show in here, it's just, when I, this is the second time I've read this, uh, this trade, and the first time I was just really impressed with the art, and not just the art, but the panel layouts uh, throughout the book, it was just freaking amazing, I really loved them. So um, I my props to uh, Williams for sure because he's very very talented. Yeah, I, I was noticing a lot about that. I mean, um, he had this style that was really interesting because um, there's so so much um, shading and three dimensional kind of like. Um, drawing in it but mm -hmm. then he'll have like the red yes just solid yes the coloring definitely plays mm -hmm. a huge part in the storytelling here and i love the way that um the the pages a lot of them throughout the book they're splash pages but not only are they splash pages but they're they're divided um like across a, a, a both pages and then on the top is one part of the story that's taking place somewhere in Gotham and on the bottom is a different part of the story that's taking place. Or there's a splash page where the main background um, picture is what's going on and then there's like small little panels, panels and little inside. squares that are just scattered, scattered throughout both pages that are showing that something else that is going on um, simultaneously somewhere else. Absolutely. I, mm -hmm. I'm so glad you caught that. Um, it'll be like a big action sequence in the back mm -hmm. with no dialogue, and then it'll have the dialogue and the movement within the panels yes. within mm -hmm. the splash page. And I thought that was amazing. Yeah, and I love, more than once, um, there is... Um, the cape, her cape is mm -hmm. like the, the background. Uh, the, her cape is is flowing across two pages and then within mm -hmm. the cape there are small little panels There's small little stuff panels going on. Or the action is done in the color of the inside of her cape yes. in red uh -huh. and it's visually very stunning. Yes. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of do a little synopsis on the storyline, um, this book follows Kate Kane uh, where basically in the beginning we see there this uh, this trade was, uh, it started, it gave us a zero issue. So when New 52 started, it looks like a lot of the 52 titles that were rebooted um, had zero issues, just like Rebirth had those mm -hmm. Rebirth one-shot issues. Yeah. And in the in the uh, zero issue, we, um, we kind of, the story is being told through, uh, from Batman's perspective. And let me just double check which issues are here does it say oh yeah zero through five so there's six issues including mm -hmm. zero but zero issue is uh batman kind of doing some recon on uh on batwoman and he's trying to confirm that batwoman is kate kane mm -hmm. and we find out that he is um he's kind of watching her because he wants to um, recruit her for batman inc 
Mm-hmm. Not only that, I mean, we see Batman here as he is a detective. Yes, and yes. That, and I really enjoy yes, that exactly. Mm-hmm. And I love that, uh, like his monologue, um, just kind of the way he studies the his subject, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and how he's saying. Um, one of the things that I really liked was when he was saying, um, "I have t- I have an idea that it's Kate Kane, but I'm not sure." And yeah. then he mm-hmm. he goes in a disguise yes. and he goes mm-hmm. in a grocery um, little market. And then he accidentally is going to drop something yeah. or run into her or something like that. Something really, you know, like accidental. Yeah. And she, like, totally catches it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yep, she's, <laughs> she's Batwoman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not all of a sudden, and he doesn't assume anything. He goes yes. through the motions he's of very action. thorough, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. He's in, he's in um, we see him in, I think, uh, three different uh Secret identity uh, disguises. As a a homeless guy, as an old um, uh, bookworm type, Mm -hmm. and then as like a thug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) and the thug one was supposedly his more, his his least complicated disguise, right? (laughs) And isn't it, oh wait, maybe, I'm sorry, I'm assuming that you guys, but for me, when I read um, Batman, especially when he's doing disguises, it's really, for me, reminiscent of, like, the animated series. Mm -hmm. And so, when I read Batman, I read him in his voice. Yeah. So... That's what I do. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen the series, even though everyone says it's amazing and it's the best Batman thing there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've wanted to watch it, but when I actually went to go online, that had been taken off Netflix. Oh so no! I it's only yeah. available if you have the DVD. Yes, you can get it. Netflix. You can get it if they I send it to you. I think Amazon Prime has oh, it. I have oh. a Prime account. I do too. Okay, okay yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Then Amazon Prime has it, so you should definitely check it out. Okay. The, and because the main. The, the main reason it it uh, it got put onto my radar is when I discovered that that was the origin of oh, Harley. Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. I had no idea, and so um, I was really super interested in watching that because I was really really disappointed with Mad Love when I read it. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to see that and kind of compare and also just get an idea um, of what this animated series was all about because everybody that I talked to about it just had such high praises for it. It's the Mm -hmm. best. It's the best. Um, I think uh, Kevin Conroy voices Batman, Mm. and everybody says Kevin Conroy is my Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. That's the meme. Who's your Batman? Kevin Kevin Conroy. Conroy. (laughs) (laughs) That and... Best Joker besides well, Heath Ledger, yeah. Mark Hamill. Right? <laughs> yeah. Of course. Of course. Th- that goes hand in hand for sure. Mm-hmm. And for them to have revoiced the uh, the killing joke. Yes. Oh, I was just going to say, mm-hmm. small little uh, insider story. Uh, all of, everyone at Heidi Ho knew that Killing Joke was being made before anybody else because Mark Hamill came in to no buy way. Uh, Killing, uh, joke, Killing yeah. joke at no Heidi Ho. Yes, and um, <laughs> oh and one of the owners was there and struck up a conversation with him and. Um, got him to confirm without confirming that they were doing an animated uh, movie. Damn, that is so cool. Mark Hamill, man. That <laughs> Dude, uh, I have heard Mark Hamill on the uh, Smodcast, uh, uh, Fat Man on Batman. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and, oh, my God, 
one of my favorite episodes on that um, podcast. Uh, it's a Kevin Smith podcast, and man, he geeks out. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a complete. He's, yeah, he's a, a huge Batman fan. He's yeah. like, uh, well, I know that um, Kevin Smith's a Batman yeah. fan, but Mark Hamill is a comic book fanatic. Oh yeah, so mm-hmm. he, he goes on like by date, by year, by yeah. issue, by freaking frame, um, page number. I'm just like, oh my god. I'm not worthy. (laughs) (laughs) Heidi Ho was Mark Hamill's LCS for the longest time. No way. He had a pull list with Heidi Ho, and in fact, if I looked up his name in the in the computer, his info probably would. No way. What? (laughs) You guys gotta go to Heidi Ho. (laughs) You never know when you're gonna run into Mark Hamill. We have pictures, just to confirm. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember the the day. He's come in a couple of times, but there was one day where we knew he was coming. And um, everybody got so excited, and I blow-dried my hair. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because he comes in, and he had put a book aside. In fact, I think it might have been the day that he came to get Killing Joke. Yeah. And I went up to him, and I was trying to be super, like, just like blase about oh this guy is Mark Hamill because I'm like to me living in Hollywood I have I'm I'm always super aware of the fact that um, when stars when celebrities are out they're just out trying to be normal and mm-hmm. I feel like um, when people like rush them or like in the middle of them eating their dinner like can I get a picture can I like. A lot of them are super, like, cool about it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But, I mean, at the end of the day, that must get super tiring. And so when I when celebrities come into the shop, I'm always really aware of the fact that they're in here just trying to be normal and trying mm-hmm. to get their shopping done or whatever. So Like when Neil Patrick Harris came in with his kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I love so, him. <laughs> so I approached him. I said, hey, how's it going? My, my spiel to everybody, um, let me know if I can help you with anything. And he was like, yeah, sure. Um, in fact, I have a book put aside for me. I called for it yesterday, and I was the one who took the call. And I said, oh, okay. And then just because, I was like, and your name? <laughs> <laughs> because I was trying to make it seem like, okay, yeah. you're no one special, dude. Because I didn't want him to feel like I was making a big deal about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so then he looked at me, and he kind of he kind of looked at me like, really? <laughs> And he, he's, he's like, Mark Hamill. I'm like, okay. And I just walked out. <laughs> Honestly, legitimately. I could not pull that off. Dude. I'm crying. That's so cool. Le- legit, legit. I'm so fucking face blind that that uh, probably uh-huh. would be me. Because... That one guy from iZombie who always comes in. Yeah. And then we had, oh, the other day, another, an actress for, oh, I forget what it, I forget what it was. She even, she even told me, and I was just like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> she, I was just like, oh, that's cool. And I, and at the same time, I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't recognize, I like, I don't recognize your face. Yeah. Like, and like, cause I'm, I'm so face blind. I keep, the iZombie guy is the one that immediately comes to mind. Because Kristen knows who he is yeah. immediately off the bat. But every time this dude comes in, I'm just like, do I know you? I'm sorry. Like, uh, And it's just like, 
Oh, my God. I'm so face-blind. The other thing with Mark Hamill is that I had not really seen him in anything for the longest, and he's had a really active career in animation. Oh, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But as far as, like, in the big screen or on TV or whatever, I hadn't seen him. And so in my mind, he still looks like young young Luke Luke Skywalker. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so the truth of the matter is, is that when I saw him, I would not have been able to pick him out in the lineup if you if you tried to get me to, um, because he, I mean he's older, he's yeah of course wider, <laughs> yes. and he's just grayer, yes grayer, <laughs> and so um, it was not at all what I was expecting. I was. I mean, I know that it doesn't make sense for him to be the same, but in my mind, that's who I thought was going to. You were going to be in. like those, those baby blue eyes, yes, with the straight like uh, what is it called, the bucket cut, yeah, and a bowl cut. And other people came in and recognized him right away. The shop was not that busy, but the people that were in there recognized him and actually approached him and asked him for their his autograph, and they took a picture. And um, he was the nicest guy about it. And, in fact, one of the guys said, oh, you must get tired of this. This must be annoying as he's posing with, <laughs> posing with a selfie. And Mark told him, no, you know what, it's just part of the job. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, he yeah. is. He sounds amazing. Uh, when he was talking on on the podcast, he, he just sounds like so, so giving. Such a such a nice man. Yeah. I just thought, oh my god, you just seem so pure at heart, almost. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. it's so strange. But oh, there's yeah. a reason he was Luke Skywalker. It's just he's perfect. So. We kind of got a uh, little sidetracked, but we are still in Batman land, even though it sounds like we're talking about Star Wars again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're both American icons. (laughs) Um, So um, this is my first introduction to Batwoman. Okay. Um, And uh, one of the things I noticed is that she is, um, she's gay. Mm -hmm. And... um, Mm -hmm. I has there been other books where she was been had been introduced because I absolutely came into this with no backstory. Oh, okay. There was Batwoman Elegy, which was the previous Batwoman book before this, and she had come out in um, uh, the Detective comic series before the New Fifty Two, before they rebooted mm-hmm. that entire uh, verse. But I am not entirely familiar with that one. But she has been established as a lesbian, and way back in. Um, uh, what was it? In the Silver Age, there was a Batwoman who was Kate Kane, and she she did, wasn't a redhead, um, um, but she had been introduced, I forget for why, but also in the Batman um, uh, 66 series, she had, a Batwoman had been introduced as well, mm. um, because that was to break up rumors about Batman and Robin being gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, or was that the aunt figure? I forget. I get them mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she has, in the DC universe, mm-hmm. she has um, had relationships with other women. In fact, you see there's there's kind of a little bit of a shout-out mm-hmm. to um, her past relationship with uh, Renee Montoya. Mm. So you see where she's in the police department, and she's standing in front of the picture of Renee there on the oh, wall. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even, I didn't, mm. and, that didn't click to And um, she, she's kind of, like, stuck there, and she has a little conversation with um, Sullivan. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and Kate kind of says, 
Yeah, uh, we were, and she and Sullivan says, "I know." Mm-hmm. Mm. Renee Montoya. <laughs> I see that now. Yes, <clears throat> but um, I like the way it's subtle that they because pr- like this is my first introduction to Batwoman, mm-hmm. so it was really subtle. It wasn't shocking. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like straight on a sex scene with boobs and stuff. It was just really, really. It really was. Um, I don't know. It was really a smooth transition into them presenting her to me as a lesbian. So I wasn't really shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you guys had mentioned it before, but I mean, you know, when you guys mention something, I don't put it together when I'm actually reading. <laughs> um, but I thought it was a great, great way that they um, presented it on this story mm-hmm. to me. Like if somebody were to pick this up today, um, it wouldn't be like a shock. It would be like something like if you weren't expecting it, because you don't expect that stuff, um, especially for them to be so good about writing something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just great. The artwork, the writing and everything. I thought it was really good. Um, for me, the first instance that I that I actually caught on was when she was at the club. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, uh huh. And she was uh, she. Uh, I think Bruce had said uh, Bruce. I keep calling him Bruce, but it's Batman. Uh, Batman had said. Uh, <laughs> uh, Batman had said that. Um, uh, that she she oh, actually she lives life. She's more adventurous in yes, her than he is. Than he is. He can't. Uh huh. And then you see her like in a panel, like kissing another girl, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, got yeah, it. And then in the details, I, I don't remember if it was in issue zero or in further in the further issues where he says that um that she was dismissed from West Point. Yeah. Under don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Right. And then which I they, which they point out in mm-hmm. this book, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like forever, I'm like, what does that mean? Don't ask, don't tell. What mm-hmm. are, What did you want to tell me? I want to know. <laughs> Wait, seriously, you don't know what don't ask, don't tell is, or you didn't know what it is? I know now because you just looked at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I always associated it with guys. Like when I see guys and don't ask, don't tell, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, I get it. But mm-hmm. now that you're saying it out loud, mm-hmm. and you looked at me like I'm like, oh, well, for for mm-hmm. and honestly, it a lot of people these days might not really uh, younger yeah. people for sure might not really right. know what it is exactly. because we're a lot more open these days. And it was disbanded. Um, yes, of, back in the Obama Obama yes Obama uh-huh. administration. But it was um, it was. It was kind of a compromise that, um, what's his name, Clinton, Bill Clinton, uh, that Bill Clinton made with um, the with regards to the issue of gays in the military, uh, and so for the longest time, um, it was illegal it was not accepted i don't know what the right word is but if you were um found out to be homosexual you um, you were dishonorably discharged yeah you you were not even allowed to be in the military and if you went ahead and got into the military you would be dishonorably discharged Mm -hmm. so the compromise that clinton made was look you don't you don't uh we won't ask you if you're gay and you don't tell us but if we find out then you're going to we're we're going to boot you. So it was a kind of a step in the direction that I I feel like um it, I I don't I'm sure that the the LGBTQ community doesn't see it. <laughs> and that, but to me I felt like it was kind of like a, a a step in the direction of trying to be more open but still having to deal with the fact that it was not 
uh, being gay was not at all um, something that was um, embraced back in the 90s. Yeah. And early, even the early 2000s. Yeah. And see, the thing is, I always associated it with guys. And then for a long time, we haven't even talked about it because, like you said, Obama just, you know, like. Disbanded it. Disbanded it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, when I was reading it, I thought Don't Ask, Don't Tell was that she actually did something horrible Uh, (laughs) and then like don't ask her and she won't tell her they just dismissed her yeah no she actually starts a relationship with one of her uh with one of her trainers or something i don't know that it's in here but it's in in rebirth they they addressed it yeah i think they mentioned it somewhere here too but the person that she had been in a relationship denied it but and but then but she basically admitted it yeah and that's why she was discharged yeah in fact mm-hmm. in the in the book that I read the only other Batman Batwoman book I've read is Rebirth and in that she even cites her father telling her uh, citing that her father had always raised her to to be um, truthful and to not lie about mm-hmm. things that were important and so when they asked her uh, and they even gave her every out and she's like no no nope this, this yeah this is me. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I like that. I yeah. like that. And it was just like, yeah, I'm, uh, as a per- as a person in the LGBT community, I have strong opinions about don't ask, don't tell. But mostly about this is that I'm glad that they mentioned it. Yeah. In this yeah. Book. Absolutely. Like, like, this is this is the thing that happened, and I really like that uh, when people say like, oh, comic books are a way of escaping fantasy. I'm just like, really, really. Yeah. Really, no. They comic books are gonna reflect the any the world any, in which they exist. Yeah. Comic books, any art medium, any like art itself, uh, music. Writing, comics, uh, illustration, for, for animation. Luke Cage. I mean, mm-hmm. that you know took the whole like um, um, the whole uh, hand, um, uh, the hoodie with the yeah, holes yeah. Mm-hmm. and the whole um, hands up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that uh, slogan they said? Um, hands, hands up, don't shoot. Hands yeah. up, don't shoot. Um, and a lot black of people, lives matter. Black and lives matter. And, and, and I, I got a lot of flack from people who were like, oh, you know, like if I wanted politics, I don't want that in my comic book character series. And I'm like, how can you say that? Like that would, that's what anchors it to our world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's what, you know, like. That's what makes it, like, that's how we can relate to these characters. Absolutely. And, these, and what they do. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm very glad that these things reflect what um uh, what's been happening in the real world especially yeah. at the time for when they were creating yes that this mm-hmm. was a thing this was a thing that happened and that kind of makes it like you know, like you know, like even though now people may have forgotten and this new generation doesn't even really yeah. know about yeah like for me tell. when i was reading it it didn't click until right now when you looked at me i was like oh yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's actually people that i know who um who were targeted by Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and mm-hmm. who were dishonorably discharged from wow. the military because of it. it like, and like a witch hunt, yeah, and I mean, I, mm-hmm. I it, definitely back in the day, I think that it was um, what, as far as how, what they could, what Clinton as a Democrat could do, but it definitely was not okay, and it was, um, you know targeting uh the lgbtq community um Mm -hmm. and uh making it so that um they couldn't serve the country even if they wanted to Mm -hmm. um without not being true to themselves 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. That's what I think. And the reason they were able to reach a compromise in, the, in, the, in everything is because I don't think they themselves realized how many queer people were yeah, in. Absolutely, the, were in the were in the military, uh-huh. and that's it was a lot. Yeah, uh-huh. my bro- my brother's um um his uh, his recruitment officer. She's uh she's a lesbian. Mm-hmm. She, and now after that was disbanded, she's married mm-hmm. and she has the full rights and she uh, has adopted kids mm-hmm. and it's just like and they and my brother even told me there's like there's a lot of lesbians. He was just like there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like yeah and it's just like with the disbandment of Don't Ask Don't Tell and the fact that this witch hunt against LGBT community um, um against the LGBT community has allowed more uh, queer people to be like, oh well, I can. This is because a lot of a lot of people, a lot of LGBT people, um, are poor. This is this is are poor or they're homeless or they've been kicked out mm-hmm. from their families because they're still not accepted. And this is this is a real thing. And the yes. only out that they can see that is immediately available is join the military. Mm-hmm. As with any other. Um, uh, disenfranchised community community is that the military is there to help protect you and then when Don't Ask Don't Tell was there and there was like a witch hunt to find like uh, 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 the gays um, it just it it was another way of disenfranchising them and making it so that there's absolutely no avenue for these people to exist Mm -hmm. even from a place supposedly as open as the military yeah Mm. Wow, I just, um, mm-hmm. you know, you saying that out loud right now, it just made me realize that that's something that I didn't even know about. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, uh, God, it's really eye-opening for me right now. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm having the feels right now. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing that people, I think, don't really realize is it wasn't that long ago. I mean, no, not at all. Yeah. It's not even a decade. Yeah. No, not even a decade. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we see... Um, Things like uh, marriage rights and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the right to adopt children and all that kind of thing happening for the LGBTQ community. And um, I are very quick to forget that that was not always the case. No, and, not at all. Yeah, and uh, the fact that um, something as uh, as grand as serving your country because you identified as gay you would be denied the opportunity Mm -hmm. wow like you'd think they'd be all for it but no apparently just because i you like the same sex it suddenly makes you like not worthy or just like of being in the military or being or serving your country yeah like like, these people have more guts than your bitch ass ever has. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, probably, I probably had a little bit too much. <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, uh, I feel like, God, you know, it just takes so much to, you know, do something like that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, to live that lifestyle, I mean, you really have to grow a tough skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a choice by any means, but um, but you really have to, like, you know, you're fighting upstream constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the way things are now where, like you said, there's same-sex marriage there's adoption mm-hmm. you know like uh we all love um doogie hauser <laughs> <laughs> but i mean there's still there's still like a lot of small groups that still don't accept them like she was saying that yeah. like the mm-hmm. family will like throw them out into the streets mm-hmm. and then they, they're homeless yeah mm-hmm. um that totally sucks yeah so the fact that um they do not only write batwoman as 
um, a gay character, but also address the real world issues that uh, LGBTQ community uh, deal with is, is I re- one of the main th- reasons why I really enjoyed this book the first time I read it and, and also now the second time. Um, but in addition, the, the realistic way that her not Batwoman life is portrayed is like super awesome just as a woman mm-hmm. without identifying regardless of what we you know who she likes to date or have relationships with just as a woman a single woman going out and having fun and having mm-hmm. a hard day um having a drink going out on a date running um, a company yeah, yeah yeah running a company and like being like so stressed out or frustrated or whatever and like trying to just burn off steam by going to the club and picking up a rando at the club right like that was my that was one sure. of my favorite parts <laughs> of the book because the writers even though they're male the writers were showing that she's embracing her sexuality like mm-hmm. women get such flack for for being sexual and for for enjoying sex and for doing the exact same things that men do and were labeled, you know, sluts and whores and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was um, shown in here as just a normal thing to do and it was just, it, to me, it was just so awesome um, that the writers showed that aspect of Batwoman. Not only that, I really like the fact that even though... Um, Yes, uh, Batman made a a comment about her being um, more of her enjoying her personal life, Mm -hmm. her, like, non-Batwoman life. Um, He didn't knock her in his comment. Mm -hmm. He was like, I wish I could. Right. Mm -hmm. So he was, even he was celebrating her Mm -hmm. zeal for life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I I really like that, too. Um, I love that about her. She's just amazing. Um, I love the fact that she has military training in her fighting style. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I love that she's really disciplined. Yes. Um, I love that um, she, not like I said, I love the dark figures. So she also carries this guilt yes. mm-hmm. within her. Um, she had a twin sister mm-hmm. um, who uh, went crazy. And mm-hmm. she was admitted into Arkham, right, for some time? Um, I I, I think, think she, was. she was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually became kind of a super villain. Yeah, they sense. mentioned that, yeah. yeah. Um, it's really in passing, sort of. They mm-hmm. don't really uh, give us any details about her being a villain or what type of villain she was or what she... That was the plotline of Batwoman Elegy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that that's kind of left up in the, in the air, but you mostly what you get from this uh, mentioning of, of her sister being a, a super villain or... Um, you get the f- sense of guilt she feels mm-hmm. uh, for some reason. She's feeling guilty about that, that maybe she could have stopped it, that maybe she should have reached out to her more and so forth. So, um, Well, uh, there's some guilt there, but there's also anger because her father kept it from her that mm-hmm. her sister was still alive. So yeah. she didn't even know for the longest time. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. There's the anger and the guilt. So she's, mm-hmm. you know, like, and her dad's like her only living relative mm-hmm. at this point. And now their relationship is strained. Yeah, right. Exactly. That that he told yeah. Her. yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I like that the darkness, the dark kind of like, um, 
kind of fighting her way through it physically and trying to help people by being Batwoman. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that about this character. Mm-hmm. So um, she actually does have another living relative because we see her cousin. Yeah, her cousin. Red King. Yeah, mm-hmm. is um, is there, and she's kind of uh, trying to train her and teach her how to be um, uh, uh, a little... M- mini vigilante <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because she's a no she's already flame bird right yeah. that's what i was she's flame bird yeah and, um, but batwoman i was trying to get a sense of was she she kind of was like basically telling her look yeah you're flame bird but that ain't nothing like mm-hmm. and i'm tr- i was trying to get a sense of was she doing that to kind of like motivate her or was that something was like was that her tactic because she told her you're not going to go by flame bird anymore you're just a plebe so mm-hmm. you see her military yeah. background yeah, come out in the way mm-hmm. that she's trying to train her. Yeah. Um, but you see, she has a lot of like, m- like moral dilemma about whether or not she should be doing this in the first place because mm-hmm. it's putting her into harm's way. Yeah. But in at the same time, like Bat, Bat does have experience with this, and she needs a trainer. And here you see the difference. Like Batman is very good. <laughs> <laughs> of yes. of uh, training mini vigilantes. Yes. That's what all his robins are for. Right, bad right. girls. Um, although some of them do die. <laughs> they come back. <laughs> they come back. As super villains, he said in here, that they have a way. <laughs> and he actually tells her, you uh-huh. be careful with Bet because um, because sidekicks have a way of dying and coming back as super villains. specifically yeah. <laughs> talking about Red Hood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Poor Jason. Oh, poor, Jason. poor Jason. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> but he was the only one. And, I mean, now he's kind of like a goodish yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I, I love Jason. I, yeah, I, I like know. Red Hood, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, um, and Tim Drake is now Red Robin, and he's doing his own thing, leading the Teen Titans. And then now we have Damien. Uh, and of course, the more successful one, Dick. <laughs> Richard, Richard Dick Grayson, Nightwing. Nightwing. Yes. Um. Oh, but what you were saying about uh, Bet having her experience and her that you said we see the difference between Batwoman as a trainer and uh-huh. and, uh, Batman, and Batman and Batman raising his own little mini vigilante. <laughs> so. uh, well, with her, we see her having more. Um, it feels like she's trying to be, like, not only her trainer, but she's also trying to be, like, her older sister, kind of, mm-hmm. like, yeah. she has that that loving kind of sense mm-hmm. uh, that she's trying to look after her. She's trying to protect her. Yeah. 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 Where Batman doesn't do that at all. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. True. Which is the feeling I got when she basically told her, you're not good enough and you're never going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. I felt like she... Here's another, like, I, I've made this reference before, but I'm going to make it again. She, Harry, and Anderson, her. <laughs> she just, like, she was she was mean to her on purpose to get her to stop because she felt like that was the only way she could protect her. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But as, it, as it always happens, she did the opposite. Yeah. Well, what is it, who is it she says? She said, I've fought with so-and-so. Um, dead, dead, death lock or dead? dead which one was it? Uh, one of those dead. Okay. I think it was dead. Shot. But I was like really surprised because I like I'm not familiar with Flame Bird, so I was like Whoa. she was in the Teen Titans, so I'm gonna say Deathstroke. Okay, it was mm-hmm. Deathstroke. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, whoa. But but still, Kate mm-hmm. was like, no, 
She well, said, you know. then it must have been on his bad day. Right? <laughs> I know. I like, okay. Savage. <laughs> but onwards to why we picked this book. Uh, the main plot of that woman in this one is that there has been a series of kidnappings in Gotham um, tied to one singular woman who they are calling La Llorona. Yes. So La Llorona features, the myth of La Llorona features in this strongly because there is um, uh, there's a woman who is stealing children and like drowning them. Mm-hmm. As and in one of the passages, the family who encounters her, they said it turns hard to breathe. It's like they're drowning. Mm-hmm. She sucks the air out of their lungs as if they're actually drowning. And, mm-hmm. um, and in in um, uh, in the story itself, there's a there's um, uh, there's a two page spread where they explain the myth, and I actually like how they do explain it. Because, I mean, in, oh, technically, it's overall, like, Oron is a simple story. Yeah. Woman has kids, woman drowns her kids, woman regrets it, and then she kills herself. Right. And <laughs> comes, back, comes, out, comes back as a ghost. Average haunting. Crying endlessly for her children. Crying yes. endlessly for and, her children. And um, her children were males mm-hmm. uh, um, in the myth. Uh-huh. And uh, so she basically only went after uh, ma- males. Oh, I never heard in that the, before. In the myth. Uh, yes. And uh, so she would try to coerce... Uh, young men, um, maybe 15 and under, uh-huh. maybe even 17 and under, to come to her um, because she was trying to recuperate her children. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, in this story, though, in Batwoman, uh, we see um, there's a lot of kids that are missing, mm-hmm. some of which are being found dead, mm-hmm. and some of which are still missing. Just missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and because um, I, a lot of the parents are um, maybe low-income families or whatever, um, they they uh, they refer to the myth. It's La Llorona. Yes, uh-huh. you know? and everybody from Batman to Batwoman to you know the cops, they're like, this isn't this isn't <laughs> this isn't what's going on, guys. Yeah. So they're you know they're constantly trying to figure out who's stealing the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but lo and behold, there is yeah such a um, a specter of sorts mm-hmm. that is uh, La Llorona or is uh, charged with the um, um, with the charge to be that woman or tying her to being La Llorona. And in, in this book, uh, the story is that the kids were playing in the boathouse. Her kids, uh, Maria, her name's Maria. Right. Maria's kids were playing in the boathouse, and she was drinking and was too drunk to pay attention, and they drowned. Mm-hmm. And when she realized what had happened... Uh, out of grief and out of guilt, she her, uh, herself drowned herself and mm-hmm. um, and died. And so that is the story that a lot of the Latino families that are having their children taken are mm-hmm. recounting to Batwoman and all the police officers that are coming and investigating the story. Mm-hmm. And um, and like Jen said, that's one of the um, besides Batwoman Batwoman being a kick-ass female character. Um, the fact that La Llorona is such a mainstay um, story in Latino culture um, was mm-hmm. super um, interesting to have it show up in a big two book and mm-hmm. for it to be such a big part of the storyline because mm-hmm. um, I don't know 
any Latino who's not had a mother or a grandmother tell them the story yeah, of La Llorona. Llorona. <laughs> and uh, my grandmother used to tell me a story about how she saw her <laughs> floating in yes. the street. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. She yes. used to tell me this story and it was like so fascinating and so freaking scary at the same time. But I mean, my grandmother, the, just the way she recounted the incident and the story, like and it was my grandmother. Like, mm-hmm. everything my grandmother said, I took for gospel. Mm-hmm. It was the truth. <laughs> and, and so when um, when I got older and I started hearing other people tell the new story, <laughs> and, and then I started seeing, like, um, uh, it, the story or the theme come out in books or in TV shows or in movies, I was like... Man, Grandma pulled some BS. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what? And it's so strange because I grew up uh, with people telling the story about my uncle seeing La Llorona, uh-huh. um, where she floated like maybe a foot above ground. That's what my grandmother said. With, with, and she was covered in a white veil. Yes, that's what my grandmother said. <laughs> that her hands look beautiful, but at times they look like cryptic, like, uh, you know, purple. like a shriveled up claws. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, and they said that if you were un, um, unfortunate enough to get close enough to where she would reveal her face, that it would be beautiful at one point, and then it would, like, turn to, like, a ghoul the mm-hmm, next. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Which they use in the story yes, for this. Yes, they do. Like, uh-huh. she, she, mor- she morphs from a beautiful woman to a crying yeah. old woman to, like, uh, like a like rotting a corpse, corpse. Yeah. So like right. a rotting old corpse, shriveled up corpse. Yeah, and it's just like I really like that visually stunning. Um, um what they do with that yeah. because, um, she's just like all over. They they do it to show movement on how she moves from one place to the other and how she can mm-hmm. morph from when people see her. Uh, and that was that was amazing. I really love that. And they add a little bit onto it because in this version of La Llorona, uh, she feeds off of grief and not just like people losing their children grief. She feeds off of Batwoman's grief yes. and anger yeah. and, and, and guilt and, and guilt uh-huh. and guilt about her killing her sister. Um, um, mm-hmm. Was it? Or how she feels? She thinks she killed her. Yeah, sister. right. She exactly. Fell off a plane. Or yeah, she says she was too late. Yeah, too late to save her, basically, mm-hmm. and that's why she feels. And that's what she uses against her to, um, uh, she uses, like, um, uh, illusions and, like, um, um, hallucinations mm-hmm. to kind of get her until Batwoman finally accepts her grief and her, and basically, she's like, I'm not going to let this hold yeah. me back. And that's how she defeats La Llorona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- now we've actually seen in other movies how they show, like, if they show you imagery of what, you know, is you're feeling guilty about and what, you know, like what makes you grieve, um, that you will go into a state of believing that that's real, that you're permanently into that uh, that stage of grief or, or anger or despair, and you can't actually emotionally move on, which fortunately we see that Batwoman is not that kind of person. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she breaks free from that loop, yeah. which she in turn... Yeah. yeah, she's like, no, it was not me, girl. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, she turns it around on La Llorona and mm-hmm. tells her, look, uh, I, I, 
what happened to me was not my choice. The choice was taken away from me. But you chose to drink and you chose mm-hmm. to not watch your children. And it is your fault and you need to accept it. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of what breaks the spell mm-hmm. that La Llorona is under. Exactly. Um, and we find out that she actually has been like um, uh, taken under by uh, Medusa. Yeah, mm-hmm. Medusa, the, yeah. There was uh, somebody conjured up the spirit to kind mm-hmm. of ex- uh, kind of like bond with her in order to, for her to yeah. have this mm-hmm. uh, constant grief, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, for her to do their bidding. And uh, it is Medusa, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a uh, I, this when I first read it, I thought it was like really Medusa, but right, it's actually too. just like a, a faction of 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 bad people. Yeah, <laughs> I mean their head could be Medusa. We haven't yeah. read past volume one, right? Yeah, <laughs> but like their head could be, but the group itself is called Medusa. Yeah, which I hadn't remembered that at the end of this volume, we don't really get any closure as far as what's happening to the kids. So yeah. we don't know if they're alive. In fact, that's what Batwoman says at the very end. Mm-hmm. He goes to the family who originally, or he, she goes to the family who originally uh, asked for her help and mm-hmm. says, look, um, I haven't found your kids and I don't know if they're still alive, but if they are, I, I, I will bring them bring back. back. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, but the artwork itself, I mean, I really, I mm-hmm. think, I think it's um, amazing. And I don't know if it's watercolor or... Um, I don't know what it is, but it's really it's. There's a lot of dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how he does his art. Yeah, I really like the cover arts that they use. Yes, but the also, cover is awesome. Also, how they draw her herself in her Batwoman outfit, outfit. It really stands out from the rest of what everyone else wears. I just, I really, really like it. And I love this stuff where there's fight scenes and it's the fight going on in the background and then the there's like little x-ray boxes where you see the impact of her punches and mm-hmm. like the ribs they're cracked mm-hmm. and here the arm is broken and over here you see the jaw is cracked once she kicks him in the in mm-hmm. the face i love that it delivers the fact that that like she can fight that yeah. these punches like the reason that they don't get up is because they fucking hurt yeah yeah and even batman uh, acknowledges in the beginning that is a fighting style that he has never, never seen, seen before, before yeah. that she made it up herself of all of the experience that she had mm-hmm. that's cool well my favorite part is um actually um it's actually similar to yours it's actually when um her her cousin is um, he, she's dressed up in her suit and she's going out to fight on her own because she wants to prove herself. Mm-hmm. But in the background, she's actually with her girlfriend. Yes. And in black and white, in these like little um, um, little squares and rectangles, you're seeing how they're making love. But in the bigger splash in the background, uh, there's the fight scenes and the dialogue and everything. But you see this like amazing love. Um, yeah. You know, this amazing love scene, like... Yeah, and actually, today as I was rereading the story, um, those scenes really stood out to me because as far as comic book goes, like, you don't... When you when you think of passionate uh, love scenes, you would never think of a comic book coming to mind as being an example. But the way that the artist... 
uh, drew and colored and everything and the way that they're placed. And it's just, uh, it, it, it is. It's super, super intimate and passionate and mm-hmm. very tastefully done. Yeah, it's not gratuitous. It's not like this. Yes. It's, it looks... Like it looks like you're looking into an intimate scene yeah. between two people, yeah. one who's finally decided to trust somebody to yes. be close. Uh-huh. And I thought that was really good, and they did it very, like you said, very tastefully uh-huh. done. If yeah. anything, all you see in these panels are like just faces. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you see very little torso, and if you do, there's no nudity. Yeah. But you feel the passion yeah, coming sure. through the pages. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the parted lips, the half-closed eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just amazing. Um, the Just kind of like in, in the ending, I think, you see her, how she's just unbound, like full yeah. of passion. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, wow. Uh-huh. But in the, same pa- in the same pages, you see... You know, like her cousin being completely, yeah. like al- almost mortally wounded. Yeah. And you're just like. That parallel oh, was yes. really striking. Yes. that's. Th- thank you for saying it that <laughs> way because that's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah. And I have to say, for as much as I'm I'm saying that I love the art and I do love the art and um, there are definitely pages where you get that feeling of of watercolor, which I don't think it is, but it, I mean, the way that it flows and with that everything hair. is really cool. But I am definitely going to give just J.H. Williams the third um, man the serious side eye for drawing the freaking nipples into the Batwoman costume. Yeah. The, it mm-hmm. took my attention away every single time he did it. And it made me so annoyed because the book otherwise is, like, so great. The story, the art, the the social mm-hmm. issues, everything, but those damn nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, you're, she's supposed to be wearing armored. Yeah, right. that's the, what I thought. Yeah, she's supposed to be wearing, and you can see her nipples. That's exactly. not how armor works, honey. <laughs> and, and also, that chat. <laughs> that definitely chest. As women, we're telling you now that fucking chest yeah. and it hurts, and it's not. It does not get any better. Yeah. So um. it uh, it it definitely was something that kept catching my eye this time around that I was reading mm-hmm. it. And when I saw it, I um, on purpose went back to kind of look uh, to see if that was just maybe like a one time thing or and some, if it was consistent. If it was consistent, and it's definitely consistent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm looking at this page right now, and the way that it's drawn is as if it, you like her her suit is like see through because the way that it's colored, you actually don't you not even just get the pointiness of the nipples, but like an outline of the areola. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I was just yeah. going to say that. <laughs> I'm like, she has Oreo cookie nipples. <laughs> yeah. I'm concerned. And, and it's just super, super annoying. And the other thing that really annoyed me, um, for as tastefully as the love scene was um, dealt with, the fact that we actually have to see a scene where Bet is getting naked to put on her her, um, her costume, her costume, like that was unnecessary. That's what I was thinking. I was like, it was unnecessary. Um, and for for a moment, I was like, are they just showing how intimate their relationship is because she's able to undress in front of her? Exactly. Uh, That's kind of how I took it as, because like when I'm with my sister, I. 
I'm I'm be real here. Like if I'm if I need a change, it's just like whoop. There you go. See, I mean, I I cleaned her diapers. I cleaned her poop. Like it's just like there's nothing to hide here. And mm-hmm. and naturally that's how I took it. I mean, like when mm-hmm. Frank's home, my husband, like I'm walking around naked. <laughs> that's it. And then um, you know, if he likes it or not, I don't care. <laughs> I'm just comfortable with you, dude. That's how it is. Um, but I wouldn't do that with my brother, nor my nephew, nor mm-hmm. my aunt. I wouldn't do it with my aunt. But that's <laughs> I think that's how I took it because that's how I felt like. Uh, I'm so intimate with my husband that I wouldn't share that with my aunt or my cousins or mm-hmm. I don't have any sisters, so I, I you know, but mm. but that's how I took it. And I mm-hmm. used to undress in front of my best friend, and um, mm-hmm. like we would share dressing rooms when we'd go to the mall and stuff. And I walk around naked in front of my husband all the time, <laughs> but um, this I just was like, what. And that might be the case, but what was the purpose for it to have to be drawn and shown? She's literally just changing into her gray outfit that mm-hmm. um, that Batwoman is telling her she has to wear. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It it, it felt it, a little gratuitous. It, it did, and also because of the fact that she is younger and mm-hmm. she is super super like. Um, What's the word I want to use? Because even in the scene where, let's see, where, where are we at? I might be looking at something else. And I don't know what her age is here, but it just, it, she's younger than Kate. Um, but it just seems so, like, creepy. Creepy, creepy, like, um, creepy stalker. <laughs> <laughs> like voyeurism? Yeah. And, and not to anybody that's in the book reading, but like as just, that it, I felt like it was just the, the, the artist's way of being like, okay, male readers, here's some, uh, here's some nakedness for yeah. you mm-hmm. to keep yeah. you going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until you get to the next nipple shot. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's what the nipple shot was for. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I man, know. like, it, it seems like men don't care about women if they're lesbians unless they can see some tits. <laughs> and I don't. No, because I see this a lot in in comic books as far as uh, art and women. And I don't know, is it because men want to um, want to draw it um, because they know other men are looking at it? Or do is that how they really think that it happens in real life? I don't mm-hmm. I don't know what the reason is. Um, all I know is that every time it happens, it catches me and it pulls me out of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as women, we know that's not. That's <laughs> not, not how it does. That's not how it works. Yeah, one no. of my biggest pet peeves is costumes that look like they're just painted on. Mm-hmm. And um, especially the boob area where the costumes um, go, like, into the cleavage and are, like, so skin tight. Mm-hmm. And even if it was skin tight, that's not how the boob that's area a, works. That's like, not how spandex works. Yeah. Does. Is she using boob tape, like, like, yeah. like, to stick that costume down in between the cleavage? <laughs> That's not how it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Physics, people, it's not how it works. <laughs> not how and it just because she has spandex on doesn't mean she's not wearing a bra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if she isn't wearing a bra, then that girl is chat. Yes. So much chat. <laughs> or if she isn't wearing a bra, her boobs should be super small. 
Because that's the mm-hmm. only way she could possibly be doing all those acrobatic and fighting moves without a bra. <laughs> yeah, because, like, she's going to be wearing a training bra. Yeah. Because, like, those boobs flop around. You can't yeah. fight. Yeah. You can't, you can't fight. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's a struggle. It, they get in the way. Yeah. So all we're saying here, people, is ask a woman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I see a lot of women who wear, like, uh, workout clothes and they wear um, um, what, sports bras. Mm-hmm. And they still look voluptuous mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's not like you can't draw a woman with the sports bra on without having big boobs so it's like mm-hmm. you have no excuse guys <laughs> that's just not how it works yeah. yeah so other than that um i really really enjoyed um batwoman uh i've definitely i never read the second story arc to this um but I had forgotten that we didn't have closure to this uh, Yorona storyline, so now it makes me want to go back and read it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but reading this hydrology story arc, um, the volume one here, actually really got me interested in moving forward to um, read the Rebirth Batwoman when it came out. And uh, mm-hmm. as much as I read, is really good. And um, it turns out in Rebirth that she actually is training um, a whole set of uh, people to be out there um, doing vigilante stuff. And mm-hmm. I can't remember, I think it's like some of the... Um, in Detective, that's where she's doing all this kick-ass training. Because the Batwoman comic just started, I believe, they're oh, yeah. in the 30s. And actually, that's what I meant. Is she's very... her The Batwoman um, character is present in Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's right. Batwoman um, just started, and it was ri- it's written by Marguerite Bennett, who is an yes. awesome writer. She uh, wrote Bombshells, DC Bombshells, which is an awesome uh, story. If you want to uh, read a DC book that is chock full of all the female characters that set, takes place in World War set II. in World War Two, then that is the book for you. It is. Freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, she also writes um, for the Aftershock Small um, Publishing Company. She um, writes a story called Animosity. And the, the story, uh, and insects, this animosity is about um, what happens when one day all animals can think and talk and are sentient and they're pissed off. <laughs> I would, you know what? From the story, I—I I mean, from the from the title, I did not think that's where you were going with the story. <laughs> so that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So animosity is really good. I really recommend it. Insects is um, kind of. It's real. Insects is really good too. I like yes. it a lot. Um, it's a Victorian area lesbian mm-hmm. love story. Yep. Where the what? women are in. Where the women um, like are transformed morph i don't know what the word is but there's a lot of like um myth and storytelling around the fact that they're actually these like grotesque bugs (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's great i love it it's my favorite it's really good it's really good and that's also um published by uh, aftershock Mm -hmm. nice so yes marguerite bennett is writing the rebirth batwoman i'm Thank you for uh, correcting me because uh, Batwoman is in Detective, mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. which is written by what? King Rich, uh Batman. King is writing Batman. Okay. The current writer for Detective is some 
I don't want to say that he's new, but I definitely haven't heard of him. Oh, okay. I don't remember uh, who it is. But he's doing a good job. I really mm-hmm. liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, the writing team of Williams and Blackman wrote um, this New 52 Batwoman for 26 issues. And at 26, they both, um, they both resigned. Because of the fact that they were having creative differences with DC, mm-hmm. one of the major um, ones was that um, DC did not want to allow them to write um, Batwoman, uh, write a marriage into the story for Batwoman, mm-hmm. and they were very super upset about that and thought that it was the right way to go creatively with the character, mm-hmm. and in fact um, had been planning on it for months. And at the last minute, DC uh, said, no, we don't want that. Mm-hmm. And the writers do uh, have come out and said that in defense of DC, they didn't get a feeling at all that it was uh, homophobic um, creative decision-making or anything against Batwoman being gay or being married. But they were just um, – but the writers were just kind of fed up with the fact that DC was not allowing them to do creatively what they wanted with the character and also making last-minute changes mm-hmm. um, where they were – in comic book writing, you plan a story arc like way far ahead and that's what they were doing as last minute dc would come in and have them change it and so they Mm -hmm. just um did not want to continue that uh that working relationship anymore so but they they were on the series for 26 issues wow yeah it was a pretty good run so what are we rating this guys what are we rating um i love Batwoman. I'm going to go with three conchas, but they're no champarado for me because of those nipples. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go three conchas um, and champarado only because the artwork really stood out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, nipples included? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, those are the things that stood out the most. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, you know, like, I just looked past that. I really, mm-hmm. the hair really um, yeah, the hair was a big part of this whole art. Like, and you know, when I first read this, I w- was like so shocked to find that it was a wig. Yeah, me a wig. too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but I mean, the hair, as far as like Yorona's hair, like the dynamic oh, yes. uh, movement, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and how like they use the hair as part of like a memory. Yes, lasting. there was there was a panel in there that was awesome like that. I and remember. then the hair to show like movement. Um, I don't know. I just um, I just you know, I just love that. I love that how they used hair as part of like a storytelling medium mm-hmm. within this story mm-hmm. and I thought I was like that's pretty damn good guy yeah, <laughs> yeah. so for me you know and then the story itself was awesome I, I mean I love it when they include Batman in the background love that and um, I just uh, the story was really well written for me um, including a full core story from Mexico that you know I could <laughs> listen to is an extra added bonus so for me it's uh, three coches and champorado Okay. Mm-hmm. You know what? I was stuck. I was going to give it two and a half, but now that you mentioned, like, the hair and everything, I'm going to give it a three conchas, but no champorado. <laughs> she, she is right about the nipple thing. The nipple thing bugged me a lot, and um, and basically, basically the the scene of, of um, uh, 
of bet stripping, mm-hmm. and I was just like, yeah, that's not that's not gonna that's not gonna fool for that's not gonna do for me. But also now that I've read Detective Comics and I know there's mm-hmm. just an equally as good storyline out there for her, that it's possible like that you can do more for it. And okay. Like, not to downplay what J. H. Williams the third and do you Hayden Blackman did they did an excellent job with her and I really do love this storyline but um and it, it's good but yeah the the nipples yes. oh, freaking nipples and speaking of Marguerite Bennett um definitely uh if you are a Batwoman fan check out Bombshells because uh Batwoman uh, Kate Kane is the Batwoman in Bombshells, and she is freaking amazing. Side mm-hmm. note: Is that mm-hmm. where she they made a statuette of her in mm-hmm. a in a baseball, baseball outfit? outfit? Yeah, baseball oh, okay, cool. Outfit, yeah, it's um, um you know, arguably she is the main character. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it's definitely worth a read. Yeah, Ooh, I very much like it. It's yeah. really good. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, pick that up if you guys are interested in this character. Really, really great reviews along the board. The storyline is really solid. Artwork's pretty good, except for nipples. <laughs> <laughs> but really, check it out, guys. Check it out. Tell us what you think. Um, so what's what's on the radar, guys? Okay, so this is Kristen. And on my radar uh, this week is um, a couple of things. Um, first off, I have been catching up on a lot of my reading that I'm behind, and one of the series that I caught up with last week was Occupy Avengers, and oh my gosh, I was so, okay, so I don't know how many of you out there are reading any Marvel books, but um, Avengers has so many uh, Avengers and Avengers members have so many books that are out there right now that it's kind of hard to keep up. And this Occupy Avengers one was one that I was so close to just being like, okay, I haven't even started it yet. I'm just going to put it back on the shelf and, you know, I won't even know what I'm missing. But, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy that I didn't do that. Um, Occupy Avengers is basically the story um, of uh, Hawkeye after the whole, um, oops, I killed Hulk, Bruce Banner Hulk um, <laughs> issue that happened uh, over the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he teams up with Red Wolf. Red Wolf! And it is so amazing. Both of those characters are so great. Um, they're basically going around and um, they're kind of like, what's what's the... Uh, What's the TV show or the movie that I want to... Basically, people hear uh, on the street that there's these people that help out the the um, the downtrodden and the out of luck with things that are going on. And people go to them and say, hey, can you help me out? And so um, they're kind of like uh, small-time vigilantes that go out and help people who are having problems. Uh, and they travel around. Um, and Hawkeye is... Um, he starts his journey by himself, and then he um, he meets up with Red Wolf, and they deal with uh, an issue together. And then um, Hawkeye basically says, "Hey, I, I'm going on this this self discovery journey. Do you want to come?" And Red Wolf's like, "Sure, why not?" <laughs> <laughs> and so they take off, and it's like it's an awesome like buddy film in comic book form. That's the best way I can describe it's, it. It's a buddy kind of hero cop, uh, yes. comic. Yes. And I love it. I love Occupy Avengers. I love Hawkeye. I love Red Wolf. And it's just both of them together. Like, who would have thought? Who yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. Like, it's just, but it's so 
Good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's on my radar. They are on issue five right now. Issue five came out, I think, uh, last week or maybe two weeks ago. But they're coming super, super close to a trade. So if you haven't been reading the single issues, definitely keep that on your radar that a trade paperback will be coming out soon. Um, pick it up at your LCS or on Comicsology. It is worth the read. Um, I love it. Um, I do have one quick other little thing on my radar, um, only because it's uh, been out uh, for a while now, and I just barely got to it, um, the Netflix original series, 13 Reasons Why. I had no idea what this was about, and I started uh, watching it yesterday, and I'm already on um, episode 10. There's 13 episodes. Um, I'm not going to say too much about what it's about, um, except for the fact that it deals with um, issues, um, a lot of um, misogyny and sexual harassment. There is some sexual assault stuff going on, but it really deals in depth with how what it's like to be a female in high school, um, dealing with a lot of like just sexual unwanted attention. Um, there's some uh, depression. There's some suicide. The the suicide awareness stuff going on too um but i definitely highly recommend um this tv show um for those issues it's just a lot of awareness that if you have a child in high school you are a, a high school student um, i think that there's a lot that you could identify with and i really really um appreciate um, all of the issues that they're dealing with um, that I think seem to be uh, things that a lot of times get overlooked. Absolutely. My God, my teen years were hellish. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think about it and I'm like, I wouldn't want to relive that. I would, like, want to relive, like, after high school, for yeah. sure. <laughs> I would go back to relive high school years as long as I could keep my adult um, knowledge knowledge with me. Yes. You know how I would rule that school. <laughs> I would rule that school and be valedictorian. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Uh, I studied hard the first time. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> well, I didn't, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess you for that. <laughs> All right. So on my radar... A few years ago, uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli did uh, Spider-Man, which was a crossover of the then 616 Peter Parker meeting uh, Ultimate Universe Miles Morales. So this was a crossover event, and it was the first time Peter Parker and Miles Morales ever met, and I absolutely love that book. It is great because... Uh, 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 bottom line, Mysterio develops a portal to the Ultimate Universe, and his plan is to like basically take over and like take over that that universe because he wanted to be the number one bad guy. And he found out that Peter Parker was dead, and since Peter Parker was always messing up his plans in the regular universe, he was gonna go to another universe too. To, to basically rule it, and then seems I, legit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then Peter Peter Parker found it, and then he crossed over, and then they met. And then he finds out that oh, he died in this universe, and then he was just like, wait, how's our how's Aunt May? And then he finds out that everybody was still in high school. He's just like everybody's so small because <laughs> uh, um, when um, he meets Miles, and it was a very it was a very heartwarming mm. story and a very kind of like like oh my god, like I can't believe all this stuff happened. Like I nearly dodged a bullet, kind of thing. And um, but the main 
ending for that plotline was that when Peter Parker goes back to his universe, he searches up trying to look up who Miles is in his universe, and you, you would just end with a screen cap of him like going like, "Oh my God!" Like, like, like he's like he's in shock. Uh, it has just been announced that Spider-Man Two, um, uh, again, my Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli oh. are going to be following that up. Uh, right here, I have a link from Nerdist, and it says, "Who is the other Miles?" So we're finally going to get a follow-up to the original Spider-Man. That's super cool. I love mm-hmm. Miles, and um, he's always, right now, he's jumping all over the different uh, realities with uh, Gwen, mm-hmm. so um, that would definitely be super interesting uh, to read. And was the original, was it a one-shot or it was a miniseries? It was a miniseries. It was a five-issue okay. miniseries, and Spider-Man 2 will also be a five-issue miniseries. And I'm not sure where it takes place continuity-wise, if it's out of universe, mm. kind of like how Spider-Man now kind of yeah, is because yeah. of all the reboots and everything. Yeah. So I'm going to assume that's what they're doing, but I'm very excited for it. And I do, and I definitely recommend people pick up Spider-Man itself. It is one of my favorite comics. And is it, uh, I was just going to say, is it still in print? Yes, it's it's still in print. We okay. have a few copies at the store. Okay. And I'm definitely going to bug Eddie into ordering it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds really cool because um, I always uh, wonder about that because when he when he goes to uh, Spider-Gwen's reality, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. Peter Parker dies, and that's how Spider-Gwen um, mm-hmm. becomes Spider-Gwen. So, well, not how, but the, the reason uh, she took his place. I always wondered. I had no idea that this other one existed. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. the the spider the multiverse in Spider-Man, the Spider-Verse is like so super confusing. Like there's so it's mm-hmm. as if Barry Allen came from DC and come uh, came <laughs> doing all kinds of crazy shit over here. <laughs> and there's like just a bunch of hymns running around yeah. in different versions. Yeah. And I, the Spider-Verse. Uh, storyline was very confusing, but it was so much fun because we got that's where we got Spider Gwen from, and I love Spider Gwen, and that's where we got Silk too. Yes, uh-huh. so it's just a. I love Silk. I love. I'm growing to love Spider Gwen. Um, I love her more as outside of her um, title series. I love mm-hmm. her in uh, uh, other books. In other books, yeah, yeah. but. Um, I love Silk, I love Spider-Gwen, I love Miles, um, I love uh, Spider-Ham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Spider-UK shit. And actually, um, Web Warriors was really good. I, I really liked yeah. Web Warriors. And it, I'm sad to say that Peter Parker is my least favorite Spider-Man in all the books that I'm reading right now. Wow. Uh, the clone statement. conspiracy was super, super boring. <laughs> <laughs> when will Marvel learn to stop with the clones? <laughs> it didn't work in the 90s, 80s, or whatever, and it's not working now. I mean, yeah, we got Scarlet Spider out of it, and I do like Spar- I do like Scarlet Spider. And we're coming up with a Scarlet Spider number one here pretty soon. Yeah, I saw that cover. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so weird. Like, it's so awkward. You just see him with a tiny grin, like, in his mask. It is the creepiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> and it was just like, but I'm pretty sure I don't know who the writer is. They will 
hopefully put some effort into it besides that. Yeah, we we just work. got a promo poster last week, and I didn't check to see who the writer was. But mm-hmm. um, it's not Peter Parker, so I assume I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Which my husband, if he heard me say that, would it would oh, be grounds yeah. for divorce. Oh. <laughs> his, his, his favorite comic book run ever is the original Volume One Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man. Uh, you know who's gonna listen to this? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, cut that out. <laughs> I will try. Uh, <laughs> so, what's your on your radar, Sarah? On my radar is um, Josh Whedon. Of Josh. 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 Why do I always Josh? I always do that? J O S S. I call him Josh. It's Josh. Josh. Okay. He's Josh. Horse Whedon. That's the only way it's gonna come out right. Horse Whedon is um is <laughs> he's in the neg- he's in negotiations to write, direct, and produce a Batgirl standalone movie uh, from Warner Brothers, and it's as you guys know, he did the Age of Ultron mm-hmm. uh, for Avengers. And, um, Isn't that the movie everyone hates? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, you mentioned it. But he did bring us Firefly and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. And so. the original Avengers movie. There you go. Mm. There you go. So I'm very excited that, um, you know, and, and, and that's what I love about uh, comic book fans is that, you know, they don't, I mean, sure, they'll have their favorite, like, I can be DC girl, and, you know, other people can be Marvel people or Image, but um, he's just so knowledgeable about comic books in general and characters that I feel that he would do a great job on the Batgirl uh, movie, standalone movie, so uh, even if it's DC um, and he's primarily known for his Marvel Mm -hmm. work, I'm very excited. If he takes this on, I think I would be, like, number one in line. I, I, I... so it's not because uh, I know I I had shared something on the uh, Comadrecy Comics Facebook page a while back, and I was under the assumption that it was already set in stone. But it's not. He's just in negotiations. Um, as far as I've read so far, it's negotiations. Okay. But I could be wrong. Okay. And in, in that case, then yes, he's doing it. I don't remember. I read the article, but at this point in time, I don't remember what it said. Um, exactly. So I'm under the impression that mm, he's leaning more towards a yes, gotcha. but it could be that he has already agreed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just happy that he's even looking at it, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the JLA uh, trailer um, just did not give me the feels like Star Wars, um, Last Jedi, or like Thor. Oh, oh my God. God. Right? Right? I know him from work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Even, you know, Guardians of the Galaxies. I mean, everything just got me all riled up. And then uh, to get, um, a, being a DC girl and getting this JLA trailer was like, even Atomic Blonde. With Charlize <laughs> Theron, uh, her, so I think she's yeah. kind of a British a secret agent, mm-hmm. yeah, was more that. amazing yeah. than the JLA trailer. And I'm Whoa, like, savvy. I know, right? And I'm just like, I hate to admit it, but I, you know, I'm just going to watch it for, you know, just to say that I did. But I'm, I'm not really looking forward to it. So for me to hear that he's in negotiations, El Joe Sweden, <laughs> I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I'm going to say it. I'm super excited. And hopefully he, they say yes, and hopefully they can come to an agreement because I, I want to be happy about DC movies again. I really do. Well, it's uh, what, which Batgirl are we talking about? 
Well, I recorded. Okay. No, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just the, saying. The cover they've been using is Barbara Gordon. Uh-huh. And if it happens, I'll watch it. Yeah. But I'm keeping my reservation. I'm keeping, <laughs> I've, I've been dying. I've been dying for a bad girl, anything, yeah. Yeah. for so long because I love bad girl. I love Barbara Gordon. I like Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Kane too. As Cassandra's the bad awesome, girl. dude. Cassandra, I love Cassandra so much. She's so cool. But Bar- Babs was it. Yeah. She was like number one from Batman the Animated Series. Her and Nightwing original oh, TV yes. man. That's like, right. I know, <laughs> I know they just did the Teen Titans movie with him and Corey and they're like they're in a relationship and everything and I'm just like always like no you're meant to be Babs. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah like Nightwing and Oracle fuck yeah. me up every time. Yeah. I'm like, yes. But, um, the only Convergence book that was worth reading. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it was the only one that was written by Gail Simone. Of course it was going to be good. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I'm, and just, like, because I he he has a long repertoire of, like, you know, Firefly, Serenity, yeah. uh, Buffy. Absolutely. Like, he's Josh... Joe, Whedon is is the man. He's the <laughs> king king of the nerds. Absolutely, but, like, well, Age of Ultron. Next, I don't know. It's him and Kevin Smith. They're they're neck and neck. <laughs> they're neck to neck. Yeah. But uh, uh, like Age of Ultron, and he himself, how he's been kind of like his attitude towards like old nerd culture and stuff. He's, it's been kind of like. Dude, are you okay? Do you need a break? <laughs> maybe, like, maybe you need a bit of a longer break. Like, like, um, um, and I kind of was like, maybe a woman should direct it. You know what? And and that's what we were talking about earlier. And maybe you know it would be nice for him to like um, champion a, a woman director and stand behind well, her. That at would least be get so a, cool. a a woman scriptwriter. Right. Just kind of like like, who's gonna make this story? Yeah. Like, please, like. I just I just want it to be good. <laughs> and then, you know, if we wait long enough, we can have um, X-23 play Barbara Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, that would be interesting. Definitely. We just keep her in our in our comic book world for now. Let's just make up roles for her. <laughs> Definitely. So that's what's on my radar, guys. Um, I think that brings our episode to an end. Or do you guys have any shout-outs? Shout out to Commodus Ecomics on uh, Instagram and also a shout out to the East LA Expo, which is going to be the first uh, comic convention in East LA to happen on May 20th, which is a Saturday. Uh, it's going to happen in the El Gallo Plaza, uh, which is in uh, San Gabriel. It's at... Um, uh, I don't have the address, but uh, if you you can find them on Facebook um, at East LA Expo, that's their page. And um, if you're familiar at all with um, with uh, East LA, you probably know where El Gallo Plaza is. Um, it's on. I think uh, we said that it was. Oh, actually, it's not in San Gabriel. Nostalgic Books and Comics, the people who are sponsoring the East LA uh, Expo, is in San Gabriel. But the uh, El Gallo Plaza is, um, I think, on. Uh, did I see it's it? On it's on Cesar, Cesar Chavez. Chavez Boulevard. Yeah. Oh, 4545 Cesar Chavez. I wrote that down somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we'll post the I address it's, on it's, our Facebook. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. It's 4545 <laughs> East Cesar. East Cesar 
Cesar E. Chavez. Sorry, guys. I'm I'm having a, a, a mental breakdown with Spanish <laughs> and English. <laughs> but yes, and oh my God, guys, did you guys hear who's gonna be a, a guest yes. at East LA Comic Con? Who's gonna be there? It's gonna be us. Comadres y comics are gonna be. If you guys want to meet us, come on down. And as far as I've heard, the event is free. Yes. Yeah. So if you guys can make it, come on down to our table. We're going to be doing giveaways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're going to do raffles. Yeah. And we're also going to sign autographs if you guys want one. (laughs) (laughs) And a kissing booth. A kissing (laughs) booth. Yes. Um, I'll I'll participate, but I'm going to be picky because, you know. And also, um, what else are we going to do? We are going to maybe, hopefully, record an episode at the convention. Oh, yes. We're going to try to get our technology up to par so that we can do that. (laughs) Absolutely, guys. Absolutely. And if you want to stop by and say hi, maybe you could be in our our, uh, episode. It'd be so great. That'd be super cool, guys. So Mm -hmm. check us out. Come on down. Hit us up. And what are some shout-outs for you, Jen? Hit us up on Twitter with any questions or recommendations or just to yell at us for our opinions. (laughs) (laughs) At Comic Comadres on Twitter. Excellent. Well, um, we still haven't reviewed any of the um, um, reviews on iTunes yet, but you still have time. Because I posted the episode late, so <laughs> please, please. we're gonna extend it a little. We're bit. extending it. We're yeah. extending the grand prize on our uh, iTunes review, so please do that, and uh, we will probably review it at the end. I'm gonna say the end of May, only because we're gonna go to the oh, convention. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. And yeah. In case anybody at the convention likes us and is on our, you know, episode interview slash you know, um, podcast at the convention and wants to uh, review our iTunes account, um, then they'll be able to win the grand prize yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And, oh, sorry. And, uh, also, we're talking about the uh, East L.A. Uh, Expo on May 20th, but also Free Comic Book Day is May 6th. Uh, and uh, Comada C Comics is going to have uh, a table at uh, Heidi Hill Comic Con as well. Exactly, guys. So you have two opportunities to make, to like mingle with us, the cool yeah. kids. <laughs> <laughs> you can sit with us, just so you know. And it's okay if you don't wear pink. <laughs> so uh, yeah, look that look up that information on Facebook. Um, get you know, there's going to be prizes for all sorts of things like uh, cosplaying and so forth, raffles and stuff like that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's um. For all the family, bring the kids. Bring yes. you can even bring pets, right? I yeah, uh-huh. yeah, we're pet friendly. They we are dogs. Pets. They love dogs. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Um, so come on down, get ready for that. Mentally prepare. Um, I have a shout out to for other uh, podcasts that record here in the studio. Mustache Cash Dash, Mint Condition Comic Connoisseurs. Uh, we were promised crowns, and I want to do a special shout out to I Love Comic Book Stuff. There are a group on Facebook that I joined, and we are reviewing Watchmen, which was a real pleasant surprise because reading the book, I realized that the movie hit pretty damn close to the book. So that was really awesome for somebody to take on a movie and actually try to mirror the comic book almost to the T. And that takes a lot of work and a lot of guts. 
Zack Snyder's only successful movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. I went there. I yeah. saw that movie, and oh, what the heck was going on? I started reading uh, Watchmen, but I haven't uh, finished it because uh, I started reading it at Comic-Con last year, so, you know. Oh. <laughs> 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 Didn't get much reading done, but oh, um, more. it's on it's on my list of things to do. I have the copy sitting right by my bed, um, but I saw the movie and I was like, "Am I on drugs?" <laughs> I loved. I you know what? And that's so weird. I actually loved it, and I totally love the book. It, they have these. You know how you were talking about those inserts that the uh, new uh, Bitch Planet is gonna have the like uh, manual. Uh huh. Well, there are inserts within the comic book as well. Yes, there which was are lots of words. I I saw that. <laughs> super informative. It just brought a whole new different aspect of that. Oh my gosh, that's funny because I remember asking my husband. Um, these pages, am I supposed to read these? And, and I, I can't remember what his long answer was, but the short answer was basically not really, so I didn't. No. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to have to care about Watchmen real soon uh-huh, because yes. uh, there's going to be the button event yeah, the button for, yes, for Batman. I, it starts this, this, this week. This yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. God damn, I have to read Watchmen in a week. Uh, you got, dude, you got two days. Dude, it takes me like forever to read like three chapters. Watchmen is very okay. So, and this is also why I didn't finish watching it. I know we're already on the radar, but I got some stuff to say about Watchmen. <laughs> Go ahead, um, spill that tea. Okay, so Watchmen is like the quintessential, like the it was. Uh, Rafiki holding up Simba in <laughs> the Lion King. Like, this is like the King of the Nerds holding up this book off the ledge and all of the tundra to see. And so, <laughs> I can't. Why did I see that? I didn't see that. I can Oh my god. We gotta make a beam, guys. We gotta make a beam. I can't imagine Junior holding up that book. We're gonna make make a meme. That's all there is. And so when I was reading it, I was like so super like nervous, like, what am I I I can't miss anything. I can't miss anything. And like and I was like reading it and I would like read one page like three times. I was like, Okay, okay, wait. Uh, did I am I understanding it? Okay, turn page. And like doing the same with the next page and it was like so stressful and overwhelming, which is the reason why I didn't keep reading cuz I was like it, there was too much going on and we were staying in a house with a whole bunch of friends and it was Comic-Con and I would read it at night when I would come back from the Oh, um, yeah, no. And it was just I couldn't uh put my attention to it the way that I wanted to and I was like so like stressed out that I was going to miss something cuz I felt like and then everyone's like oh my god it's so wonderful and it's so great and i'm like okay i gotta love this book this it ha- <laughs> it ha- like my expectations are so high yeah. and so um i just i haven't gone back to it because i'm just so worried i'm not gonna do it right <laughs> i just want to know why everyone freaking nuts themselves whenever you mentioned dr man had an aurora shark yeah yeah like yeah. they just like it's just they're like oh yeah oh. <laughs> like, and i'm just like calm the fuck down what is it about these dudes i like i i I, I haven't read Watchmen But, I mean, all. if we tackled uh, Ma- uh, Maggie the Mechanic, that was some dense shit there. Oh, hey, yeah. But it was enjoyable. We could do Watchmen, so maybe that's something we could uh, – there's – 
There's no female writers. There's no. I mean, there's female characters, but I mean, it's it's definitely like I said, it's the it's the quintessential uh, comic nerd book to read for sure. Mm-hmm. You know what? I went into this not thinking that. I mean, I knew it was very important, but um, maybe that's why I'm so lax about reading it, and mm-hmm. I'm able to like really suck everything in. And I'm loving the heck out of it. I love the inserts. I really love the inserts. Mm-hmm. I'm just like this stuff is really like it really mirrors the um, the story. And the, oh God, I really want to go and talk about this with you guys, but. I'm going to let you guys read it first, definitely. I mean, I'm not going to be like, oh, the nerdo that's like, I nut myself when I talk about this. I'm trying hard to not, you know, be that person. But um, it's it's up there, dude. It's really up there. Yeah, I mean, uh, my husband, all the other comic geekies that I work with at the shop who read who read comics and they've been reading them for a while, I mean, they just cannot tell me enough about how um, Good amazing this book yeah. is. Yeah. It, and it really is. It really is. Uh, for me, I, I, I'm really loving this. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it's like a Swamp Man thing where I was just like, oh, I don't know, but then I ended up being like, oh, my God. Yeah. Amazing. Actually, same. And uh, I, one of the guys who recommends it is one that recommends things that are just so like dense and intense and everything and that's what i'm fearing and a little weird and that's what i'm fearing and so i just uh, i'll have to take out some time to to um put to reading it again but uh for sure we need to make that meme (laughs) (laughs) you know know, for me like i always say i like a little vertigo in my comic book reading Mm -hmm. um but i don't even think this this uh title was even labeled vertigo i know it's a dc uh publisher but it was Um, vertigo okay um they recently they're not using where do you go anymore they're using the dc comics labeled or the new reprints yeah but the Mm -hmm. publication for this was in 1987 maybe well, because I got the trade paperback, so maybe just it's just they don't put it on there. I don't oh know. yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't, but it's so it's yeah. so vertigo for me. I'm like, oh my god, yes, it's been so it's been so long, vertigo. Yes, uh, <laughs> like I little, love you. A little comic drama, but I think this was the book that cemented Alan Moore never writing for any for DC anymore. Really? Because um, Alan Moore created this, and it was like his, but then um. I guess the the relationship between him and DC soured, and um, um, and they didn't allow him to keep the creator rights to it. And oh. It's, and yeah, and so it is. It's permanently like a DC franchise thing now, and um, uh, and that's why they can use it without Alan Moore's permission uh. anymore. Because a lot of like now you know like Vertigo, the and like. It was an in, an indie publisher before DC bought it, and that's yeah. why they were able to keep those rights. Mm, interesting. Little comic drama. No, that yeah, yeah. I love yeah. comic drama. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing happened with um, uh, Miracle Man and mm-hmm. Marvel, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why uh, Alan Moore was just all like, "Fuck the big two. Yeah, wow. he, he only does his like weird indie shit now. <laughs> <laughs> He is, he is quite a character, Mr. Moore. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, shout-out to those guys um, over at I Love Comic Book Stuff. They're, they're, oh, um, that was a, I was like, how did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, yeah, I mean, um, they invited me into their group. They don't even know me. I don't know them. But, uh-huh. you know, like, we share a love for comics. So, I mean, share the love, guys. 
There's a, there's a <laughs> lot of groups out there. There's a lot of um, um, what are the blogs and yeah. so forth. Mm-hmm. So it, you know what? You just reach out and touch someone. It definitely made uh, the political uh, uh, season much more tolerable for me because I'm just uh, a member of so many different comic-related groups on Facebook that that's mostly what I would see coming up on my uh, on my Facebook feed is all the comic book-related uh, articles and little videos and stuff. And I love getting on there and talking about comics with people I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you guys for listening. We have been your host. I am Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jennifer. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. La luna es una mujer llorona y por eso el sol dispara. La luna es una mujer llorona y por eso el sol dispara. Anda que bebe los Llorona porque la luna lo engaña. Anda que bebe los montes, llorona porque la luna le engaña. Ay, mi llorona, llorona, llorona de un campo limpio. Mi llorona, llorona, llorona de un campo limpio. El que no sabe de amores, llorona, no sabe lo que es martirio. El que no sabe de amores, llorona, no sabe. Lo que es martirio.
llegando el olvido, llorona soñé que estabas despierta. Pero en llegando el olvido, llorona soñé que estabas despierta. Sí, porque te quiero, quieres, llorona, quieres que te quiera más. Sí, porque te quiero, quieres, llorona, 